As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, Blenders, and welcome to number 64 of Real Blend. It's weird seeing you do it in person. The one that we're recording at Jake's apartment. Yay! Chicago. Yes. It's interesting seeing you do this in person. It's not fun. It's, uh, it's, but also, weird. it's weird to do it in front of you guys. It also just gives Jake and I a really good insight into the non-work that Sean does for right. our podcast each week. No. Uh, yeah, they, Listen, you know. <laughs> in, in every other week I write I write out uh -huh. a full-blown intro uh -huh. and try to come up with a very funny What is your In Sean's defense, he's watched 84 hours of Game of Thrones Holy in 26 cow. hours. So, yeah. My <laughs> brain is mush. So we've discussed this. Kevin's done it with me also. So, yeah. It's essentially started around the same time. We did it in a month, right? So we we just, just about under a month. Over a month, just a little over. So yeah, I feel bad for you if the show didn't start seven freaking years no, ago. No, it's our fault. Completely well, our fault. I watched seasons one through five live. Um, I stopped watching. I can't remember why. Um, but it's season five. Sean and I can agree. It's pretty boring until episodes eight, nine, and ten. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we're in the same boat. So I'm essentially. I have two left. You just finished. Yes. Uh, I think we, Sean and I are on the same page right now. We are both over the moon about Hard Home. Yes. Hard Home is arguably, Hard Home, the episode 10 of season six, that was the wind. Winds of winter. Winder, windy city, winter. yeah. And then, um, and then, <laughs> and then uh, Battle of the Bastards and. And the one you just watched. Oh my Day God. Day of the Dragons. Season, See, I, don't, I don't know yeah. the names of the, of the episodes, the way that some real diehard fans. Season do. seven, episode four, uh, it dealt with a sequence where, uh, Two big characters, in case you haven't seen the show, two big yeah. characters combine in a scene where they, they're about to kill each other. And it's epic. Yeah. Jake doesn't know what we're referring to. No, I know to. what you're referring to. Can we talk but, about but it? But I feel like we're not addressing, um, I don't know if this is the right terminology, the elephant in the room. What yeah. That Gabe is here. He is here. Gabe, producer Gabe, Gabe is, is in, the room. in the room with us. Gabe, say hello. Say hello. Say hello. Make it official, please. How's it going, folks? Oh! Met Gabe, by the way. Yes. In person. I, I I see Gabe every week. Can we tell the funniest thing that just that happened earlier today? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So yeah. uh wait, I, hold on, let's let's get context. We're all in Chicago for Star Wars Celebration. Yes. Uh it starts tomorrow. 
We will be covering the event all through the weekend. Tomorrow we're going to see the Star Wars Episode Nine panel, which will have the first footage we expect from J.J.'s film. We'll probably learn the title. That's why we're and, – and we're recording this the first night that we're here because Saturday we're also doing a Real Blend meetup with fans in Chicago. So that's why we're all here. But the first thing that we wanted to do was record a podcast all together. So we're all in Jake's place. Gabe is with us. And Jake has a very funny story about how we all met up at the And Gabe is staying here, which, yes. is, which yes. is even awesome. Yes. So that's a word. Yeah, yeah. Gabe is staying here, which is fantastic. Finally, someone is using my fold-out couch, which I've talked about for years. <laughs> um, you know, so I had—I've been doing live shots for my station because my station's freaking out about this uh, all day long. I was out at Star Wars Celebration earlier this afternoon doing live shots, and I knew Sean was in. Uh, he was heading in, and I said, "Hey, man, let's meet up. Here's where I am." And so, I in the distance, I see Sean walking toward me, and I. Feel like like okay like he sees me and I like I get up and I'm excited to see him and we start walking and walking and I notice that like Sean is like really excited to see someone who's not me <laughs> but I still keep walking to and I like hold out my arms to hug him yeah. and he like goes in to hug someone else <laughs> and then that's the moment I realize standing right next to me is Gabe Mark oh wow it's Mark Hamill <laughs> Gabe was like like we were like both Gabe and I were like going in. It was like stay on target. It was like it was like like it was like both that we were like going in on Sean, and then uh, and it was just it was just in a massive convention center. Yes, like it's a huge space that's all filled with Star Wars. And we yes. see that scene in movies a lot. Like someone thinks they're saying hi to a girl or a guy. I mean, that's my life in high school. Yeah, essentially. But by the <laughs> way, alert, no one was ever saying hi to me. My favorite ever. version of that scene ever is not another teen movie. Speaking of, of uh, Avengers, Chris Evans. Chris Evans is in line with the leading character, the girl that he is going to essentially take to prom and turn into the prom queen or whatever. And I guess they haven't spoken to each other in years and she like loves him and, and he's popular and she's not. And they're at the lunch line <laughs> and they start talking and, and she goes, um, he goes, hey, it's really good to see you. She goes, yeah, it's been, it's been, a, been about five years. And Chris Evans goes, no, nah, it's actually been like more like six. Because the time you're referring to, I was actually saying hi to the person right next to you. <laughs> and I was like, that is like so brilliant. And the way like Chris delivers it, that movie is so underrated. I just want to say, if you haven't seen that other team movie, it's like, it's, it's probably, it's I very funny. The spoof movie that came out around that era of spoof movies that actually holds up. Like, I don't great. know if you've seen Scary Movie lately. Yeah. Scary Movie does not. Hold on. Not a movie was well done. And Chris Evans is... Do you remember when Chris Evans walks in the hallway at the beginning of the film and looks at a picture of himself looking at a picture of himself <laughs> on the wall? I mean, it's, it's so... like it, I, His career blows my mind, though. Because uh, I was... We'll get into this later about the Avengers Endgame press conference and Junket, but just seeing him where he is now... Right. I mean, think about, like, the ups and downs of his career. You know, he probably was, you know, it seemed like someone like a Ryan Reynolds. After you do something like Green Lantern, yeah. you probably think your career's over and or I'm never going to do a superhero movie again. God, look at Downey. But you think, it, right. Downey. the ultimate example. Yeah. It's the ultimate so you example. You think about these failures that have taken place in these lives of these actors who are now at the top of their game. Right. And it truly blows my mind because I feel like a lot of people, myself included, are very afraid of failure. Right. And we try to avoid it at all costs. And I, was, I saw a great tweet the other day of Joshua Trank, who directed Chronicle mm. and Fantastic Four. Maybe the most honest tweet a filmmaker's ever put out yeah. there. He said, because I failed. I mean, essentially referring to Fantastic Four. Uh, because I failed, I am now the, uh, uh, the filmmaker I've wanted to be. Right, right. He's making a movie called Fonzo with uh, Tommy, Tom Hardy. Is it the Al Capone movie? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks great. I mean, from what I've seen on his social media. But I, don't know, I, just, I just thought that was a very – it was random. I just sat there looking at Evans thinking about – 
where he was not on a team movie and where he is now. And Which you know, is yeah. interesting about all of those Avengers actors is none of them they weren't introduced this way. Like right. they all had careers beforehand. I don't doubt any of them will be successful beyond it. They're not gonna get pigeonholed right. as their characters. Yeah. I think they'll all be able to work beyond it. I can't I was just trying to go through mentally any of the ones who are gonna struggle to find work after their Marvel run is over yeah. and Ruffalo's not going to have a no, problem no. ever. I mean, he was an Oscar-nominated actor before. Right, exactly. So but they won't find work that's like this gigantic. Probably not. Like, and it's funny to me because you think about like, will Tom Hiddleston become a, a leading male in, in movies? Right. And that's, I, he, that's like actually a good example. I feel like he's having a hard time. Yeah, I'm running, running back to the character. Yeah. yeah. I remember running into, him, running into him at the Infinity War premiere. I think he was joking, but I was like, because we know we all know what happens to him in Infinity War. He gets choked out, essentially, yeah. right? Um, and he seemed like jokingly concerned about, so what are you doing next? Because I actually don't know. And again, you know, this is at the end of Infinity War. He could have been just playing around. I'm sure he was joking because I'm sure he's getting offers. But I mean, like, right. yeah, like, what is, can you see Hiddleston, like, leading movies that opened up big at the box office? No, or really. You know. No, uh, you don't need to be that. Guy. No, I agree. Like, not, Look at Pattinson not, now. Pattinson's doing it right. Yeah. Pattinson's doing it really right. You did yeah, good time right. after after Twilight, yeah. and then you now you're jumping into a Nolan movie. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. But Radcliffe had a hard time though opening a film. But he's doing what he well, wants. I'm not saying at this point he's doing because he made so much money right. with Harry Potter. He can now do something, even though I wasn't a fan. He can do something like Swiss Army. Man. I love Swiss Army. But Swiss Army Man. It was, it was funny. <laughs> it was so stupid. But then it almost boils down to our opinion about bathroom blend. Yeah. Like, uh, I like bathroom blend. Like, like, yeah. Guy that farts the entire time. He's farting as he's riding a jet, a jet ski. It's awesome. It's stupid. It's hilarious. We never talked about this. Uh, it's really stupid. But the music in it was really. The music was fantastic. Yeah. The music was great. Um, it's. I like concepts that are out that are wild out there. But after a half an hour, I was yeah. like, okay. I got, I got Complimenting place. a movie for its music is like in the South when you say, bless your heart. Bless your heart, yes. It's, it's the equivalent of like, she's oh, a nice girl. She's a nice yeah, girl. She's a really nice girl. Yeah. <laughs> is she hot? She's a really nice girl. <laughs> she's got a great personality. All right, so we don't have news uh, this week, but we have major events that we're going to talk about. Uh, we will get to Star Wars Celebration in a moment, but I want these guys to open up because we are about a week and a half away from us being able to see, uh, maybe two weeks, uh, from us being able to see Avengers Endgame for the very first time. And Jake and Kevin both went to L.A. to see some footage from it. I got to see some footage at Las Vegas, at CinemaCon. I think we saw... I mean, one of the, the, one of the clips movie. that we saw has already been released. Yes. They released, sure yes. The one, I think it was yeah. on Kimmel. It's the one where they're all... By the way, before I we get... like this one. Before yeah. we get into Avengers Endgame, just uh, just to tease ahead, we do have an interview with the directors of Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah, that's right. A um, spoiler-filled conversation. Yeah. So, Sean, are you going to do Every your day. job during this podcast? Or do we need <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just wanted to get it out front because people like you who are listening <laughs> to it right true. now might want to stay tuned for certain things. And then yes. we're going to get into Nick Cage blend. Yes. Pick our favorite Nick Cage movies. Uh, and then we'll do a lot more. We'll talk about Star Wars Celebration. Because Jake and Sean have already been on the floor. Yes. And they can discuss what they've seen already. And so. we're going to do reviews of Hellboy. Yeah. Right. You guys have yeah. seen Hellboy. Also, I'm interviewing the... Uh, so and I don't know. Not Listener reviews? Listener reviews. Have we have listener reviews? We have a listener review? Gabe, Gabe speak up. Gabe is telling Wait, why don't we have Gabe read it? Yeah! yeah! That is a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. All right, so that we have film. a listener review, and uh, Gabe is going to read it for us. All right, Gabe, project yourself. Oh, let me find these. All right, so, you know, every week we read these listener reviews. We get a lot of great ones. Sean reads them normally, but because Gabe is finally... Giving us a voice this week. It's a special episode. We have to have Gabe voice this. So everyone knows Carrie, right? Yes. Carrie Ellen, Carrie Ellen Case, vocal listener, hmm. avid supporter. I, I think, think coming to the, the meetup. We should we should be seeing her in a couple days. Yes. If this review was your first experience with Carrie, <laughs> you might not think that she was a fan. 
Okay. Uh, but maybe I'm maybe I'm cutting this oh, off. They haven't seen this yet. I don't think so. They I haven't seen this yet. So this is from Carrie. Cool. Email we got from Carrie. Hello, okay. Carrie. I know you're listening. Your podcast sucks. It hasn't changed my life at all, and I don't eagerly download it every week. Mm. I for sure don't laugh out loud and chime in with my own commentary while it is on. I would never be the person who would come to three different meetups, and I don't worry about the day when I can't make it to a meetup. I rue the day that I first found out about the podcast that made me meet my best friend who is awful and does horrible impersonations of you, referencing the great video. Thanks for nothing. I quit. Carrie Case. <laughs> That's great. I guess you yeah. can say the case has been solved. <laughs> hey, we're in my home. There's a no. Oh, come on. Oh, no. That means we're doing more. Carrie does get credit yeah. for coming to the first uh, London meetup. The, the, That's right. The one where we had, That's um, right. We thought initial. no one was going to show up to that. <laughs> and four people in another country yeah. showed up to a meetup that we thought we were going to go just have drinks together. And yeah, we're having one three. in two days. Yeah, if you're listening to us now, we are going to be meeting up. Sean, you want to get the details where we're going to be? We're at the Green Room Tavern. Which is a fantastic – you know what's really cool about, about Green the Green Door. Room Tavern? Green Door? Green Door, Green Door Tavern. Tavern. Green Door Tavern in Chicago. Is It's on top of a legit – Old school Chicago speakeasy. Okay. So when you go downstairs, it, if you have to use the bathroom at any point, you're going to walk by a bookshelf. And if you knock on the bookshelf, they'll let you in. Okay. And it's this old school, legit speakeasy. They have flapper girls dancing. They have like old school Chicago cocktails. Oh, nice. And there's no signage. You won't know about it. They don't advertise it because like you go walk in and you think, oh, it's a Green Door Tavern. It's one of my favorite places in Chicago, even though I got the name wrong whenever I started. We'll be there five to seven, by the way. Yes. So seven if you're ish. By five o'clock, we start. Yeah, five o'clock, we start. By seven, we're going to probably keep it going. Okay. Yeah. If you're here for celebration um, or you happen to be from Chicago and listen to Rebel and come by and check us out. So yeah, Mark Hamill, if you're here, come on by, man. He's not coming. Oh, I hear that's, that's yeah. the rumor. See, I think it's misdirection. Right. He he tweeted out very explicitly that he was not going to be at Star Wars Celebration. Right. Come on. But they want it to be a big surprise when he comes on stage. Right. right. And you know, actually, the more I think about it, the more I think you're right. Because I feel like if he knew ahead of time he wasn't going to be there, he would say, "Hey guys, I'm not going to go do Celebration this year." But the fact that he waited until the day of. Right. Um. Yeah. I and he'll even say from the stage, like, "I know I tweeted this, yeah. but." But it's the end of the – well, let's start on Celebration and we'll come back around to, to Avengers Endgame. Celebration, this is the end of the Skywalker yeah, saga. It's, a, it's the end of a trilogy of trilogies. So how is he not – he has to be part yeah, of it. of course he'll be here. But um, never – I mean, so, there's, a, there's a rumor that the final film is in fact called Skywalkers. That would be pretty cool. I don't cool. really know if I like that. I, Skywalkers? I like, that. I like it. I there's like never that. been one with one name. True. Um – I have to think about that. Well, JJ could just call it The Last Jedi and remake it. What? That'd be great. <laughs> I, called, I would love to see that movie again. All right, what if it's called Skywalkers and Ray turns out to be a Skywalker? Do we think that JJ's going to retcon the, the Ray decision? I read somewhere I, today that he's going to. Honestly, like, I confirmed? like that her parents are no one. Really? Because I felt like if we're going to move forward in this world with the idea that there are stories just as important as the Skywalker story, you don't do that by saying... Uh, everyone in this story is a Skywalker. Right. I mean, I thought, I thought like, whether you like Last Jedi or not, the point of the last shot of that kid using the Force to get the broom was a reminder of, like, there are other stories than this. Right. I mean, this is a literal galaxy full of people. Right. And if we're going if we're going to leave these characters behind, we have to leave them behind. Mm-hmm. The Skywalker story is fantastic, but there are other stories to tell. Well, but nothing at the end of 8 makes me want to know what's going to happen in 9. 
Like, I want to see Nine because it's a close of a trilogy right. and also because JJ's back. If Colin was doing it, I probably wouldn't be as excited. But since JJ's on oh, it... God, remember the days when I was supposed to be Colin? Colin Trevor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so now it's like, I just... I mean, can you answer me one question? Each of you, at the as we sit here right now, what in eight or what in, in nine are you... Wanting to I, mean, I get what you're saying, as opposed, especially as opposed to when seven, seven and you were like, if someone had told me at the end of seven, I'll start eight right now, I was like, let's go. Me too. But is there anything in nine that you need answered? Um, I'm I'm into the Kylo Ren storyline. Okay. What happens to Kylo I, Ren? I don't think he he shouldn't be redeemed. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's redeemed or defeated, right? Like those are the two options for right. him at this point. Like he becomes an anti-hero or he gets punished for killing his father. And I'm not sure which answer is going to be, and I kind of want to see which one it is. Yeah. I am equally intrigued to find out how they settle Carrie Fisher, but I don't know if I would be as intrigued if Carrie Fisher hadn't passed away, right. and I'm curious how they're going to handle her character without having access to her right. as a performer. How much I, do we think Hamill's going to be in the movie? I'm probably more than they Really? Probably yeah. because of the Carrie because Fisher thing. Yes. Yeah, because... because of the yeah, you're right. Because like, probably... Because Carrie Fisher's movie... This is supposed to be Carrie Fisher's movie, right? Yes. So essentially... So we, we know that J.J. is using old footage from Force Awakens that was not used in Force Awakens and I, whatever they're going to do otherwise with her footage for her other scenes. I don't right. know if they're going to use CG. Like, who did they do that with in mm. Rogue One? Um, Peter Cushing. Right. Which looked pretty good. Um, but I... I do wonder though. No, wait. We just saw young Sam Jackson, like which was amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. but that was different. That was Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson playing himself. Yeah. 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 But I do think that Episode Nine could end up being better than we expected because my expectations are super low right now because of Last Jedi. Right. I would even argue that I'm more excited about Endgame than I am about Episode Nine. Oh, I am. 100%. Are you? I mean, Jake, as the biggest Star Wars fan on the planet, if you, and, and this is a great question. Oh, I want to pose this question. Two questions to both of you guys. Gotcha. I, know, I know it's coming. Well, I'll pose the first one first, then I'll go to this one. This was a tweet I saw on on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I thought was a brilliant question, and it made me... I still don't know what I would choose. If you could either watch the last episode of Game of Thrones... Episode or, or season? Last, I'm sorry, last... No, last... I saw season. Season of Game of Thrones. Okay. You learn who gets to the throne. Sure. Or Endgame, but right. you cannot see the other one ever. Oh, it's Endgame. See, for me, it's Game of Thrones. It's Endgame. It's not even close. Because when <laughs> Game of Thrones is over, it's done. But when Endgame, we're going to continue to see a lot of these characters. So I'll probably be able to figure out what happens no. through the other movies. No, it's not the same, though. It's no, it's for me, it's, All right, it's Game of Thrones. Endgame or Episode Nine. Episode Nine. It's oh, Endgame. no! Oh, I would watch Episode Nine. And here's the deal. I say, that, I say that knowing I hear that there's a the good chance that... In game is going to be better than episode nine, but I cannot. The little kid, the little kid that grew up on Star Wars, can't get this close to the end and let it go. But you're more excited about Endgame than you are about, about episode nine. Yeah, but it's but, but I, I feel like that's an unfair it's, question because we're we're right in the middle of right. Endgame like uh, mania. True. Ask me this question in December, and I'll probably be like, dude, screw Endgame. It's episode nine time. Like if the trailer that they show at the episode nine panel is as good as that first. Episode Force 7 trailer. trailer. It's going to be. Which just Amazing. was. See, J.J. has the ability to deliver the crowd-pleasing beats. Like, yeah. he just he directs box. Like Spielberg. His whole, his whole speech about the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so I think bringing him back was so Brilliant. fantastic. Um, well, they had to. I guess the, so. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I would go Endgame for the first question. 
Versus Game of Thrones? Game versus Game of Thrones. Okay. Second question, Endgame over episode nine. I just think Endgame is going to be so massive. I, I, I just said it on the podcast. I think my expectations are, are so high for it that I'm priming myself for disappointment. I saw a tweet the other day, and I, I would like your opinion on this because I don't know that I could think of another film that falls into this category besides one movie. Is Avengers Endgame the most anticipated movie of all time? And if it's not, what is? Now, the only two that I could put anywhere near this Force would Awakens. be Episode Seven and Empire Strikes Back. Force Awakens. I have to say Force Awakens. I think Force, Force Awakens. More anticipated than Endgame. Yeah, I think so. I feel like, For- I feel like Force Awakens transcended. Yeah. Because we were also getting something that as a society we never thought we were going to get. True. Yeah. We knew Endgame was coming, and we're all very excited about it. Force Awakens, five years before that movie came out, None of us thought there was a chance in hell we'd ever see Harrison Ford play Hot Solo. Then why is Endgame going to open bigger than Force Awakens? I think uh, Avengers and the Marvel characters uh, appeal to a broader audience. Star Wars is pretty big. Well, but the like, end of Infinity War got people super right for how it So could you make an argument, Episode 7 aside, or, or with it, that Endgame is the most anticipated movie of all time? No. Uh, Not even close? I think it's one of. I think Force Awakens beats it. Yes. Okay. And, and I think it's unfair to to equate well, final box question. office. No, no, I, I yeah. get it. But I think, feel like it's unfair to equate box office because by that point you can make the argument that then inherently Avatar was the most Well, Avatar made a lot of money overall. I'm talking about like – see, in my opinion, the word anticipation is, is synonymous with the opening weekend. If your movie is the largest opening weekend of all time, plus also Force Awakens exists in the same world where the ticket prices are the same price essentially yeah. as Endgame, you could technically say it was more anticipated. The thing that Avengers Endgame is setting up though is that we're having this conversation at CinemaCon. What is the next Marvel movie that's going to touch this level of anticipation? I think Marvel's going to go downhill for a while. Yeah, I think well, that's, that's why it was, it, has to. it was weird having Captain Marvel in between Infinity War and Endgame. Right. We haven't seen Endgame yet, but Captain Marvel... Well, I understand the importance of it. It was a step down in quality. Animated billion dollars. Yeah, but the quality was a step down. No, I know. 100%. And the next one, like, I'm excited for Far From Home, but it's just going to be a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And even Black Panther 2, you know, which I think people are going to want to see that hero back on screen again. It's not going to be anywhere near Endgame anticipation. Did you – okay, have you heard the the, uh, Far From Home theory? No, I don't think so. Is this the one that Jimmy was talking about? Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's okay. actually kind of interesting. So okay. Jim, uh, J- uh, shout out to Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy shout out Martin. to Jimmy. Jimmy Martin was a uh, guy who like, jumped into blew our minds by telling us, is, "What if you know he's on a European That's vacation?" Interesting. Yeah. And the end of the movie is they're coming home, right? And they get on a bus, and it's Infinity. War. And it's Infinity. It's the War. end. Of, and Stan Lee's opening the door. Yeah, Stan Lee opens the door. But he said they were on a field trip to MoMA. What do you have to ruin everything? What do you mean? Wait, what, what does that mean? Moment, in moment, Infinity War. War. No, I know that, but what do you In Infinity War, when he's fighting against the. Because I thought they. No, no, he gets home and then they're going to MoMA. No, they'd be coming back from the airport. No, no, no. I think they get back from London. That's right. what Jake's saying. Oh, I thought. They wake up I the next was, morning oh. and then they get. Oh, I'm, 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 that seems like a lot of traveling for kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad theory, but I think it's kind of bullshit. Um, because I truly think Endgame there's is going eight. to. There's our eight. Endgame is going to reset the the game in a way somehow that um, they're going to be able to build from from a brand new starting. But it's saying a lot if you would rather see Endgame over Episode Nine. Oh yeah, it's saying a lot. But Episode Seven, it's funny. Episode Seven is probably the closest thing I can think about, at least in my lifetime, where I felt this much anticipation for a film. Yeah, yeah. like what's going to happen. Right. 
And episode seven was, it was such a huge deal having all three of those characters back on screen together. It was major. Um, yes. But I guess, you, so, all right, so if we're... If, and there's something brilliant about Endgame, too, and I, I, I will give them credit for planning this out, that the ones that are left are the original heroes. They did that on purpose. They, I guess well, they the had one, to. You come full circle. So you've got Downey, and you have Evans, and you have Hemsworth. And, and they're all doing Lowe, press. And Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And, and they're really committing to the bit. Yeah. Like, Chadwick Boseman's not doing press. Tom Holland's not doing yeah. press. Yeah. Like, they're all just... And if you got Boseman on the carpet in CinemaCon, if you asked him any Endgame question, he was just like, but I'm, I'm dead. dead. I'm yeah. dead. It's a, it's a really funny works. meme of him going, I'm dead. And then they yeah. zoom in, I'm dead. Yeah. My favorite thing yeah. was, was that moment, and the caption was, Mufasa one hour into Lion King. <laughs> going, I'm dead. I'm dead. So, Do you think, I, I, it's funny you mentioned Lion King, because the Lion King trailer just dropped this you week. You mean that other animated Lion King? Yeah. Not the live action Lion King, which that doesn't exist? I'm trying to figure out what's, I guess maybe the landscapes are live action, I don't know. I guess technically speaking, if they shot actual landscapes, you could call it live it's action. Like Unless they trained a freaking baboon no. to hold a lion <laughs> over its head it's not live action. Okay, the, here's my issue with that trailer. And trust me, it's I think fine. It's, it, I think it's beautiful. Looks good. Visually, it's beautiful. I need to watch it. But it's basically a shot-for-shot remake. Right, right. It's like Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Which brings me back to my original point of these all these... Like, why? Cash why does it exist? Money. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, like Aladdin's my favorite animated movie of all time. Or anime, anime uh, Disney film of all time. And... I don't really want to see it okay. on a live action so version of it. We saw the full sequence at CinemaCon of. You didn't um, tell me this. You ain't never had a friend like me. <gasps> That's big. Wow. It's so bad. No. It's so bad. Really? No. It's so bad. It's gonna. This movie's gonna. That's be on Broadway. I that that <clears throat> when that happens on Broadway, it's the only time I've ever seen a, a Broadway show. Get a standing ovation in the yeah. middle of the show. Like it, it needed to keep going, right. and the crowd stood up and gave it a stand. Like that, that beat needs to land. So he, he are you sure it just wasn't great because it wasn't out of context with the whole film? I mean, you, you saw a clip. Here's right? what we saw. We saw the entire sequence. We saw. Can you discuss him. this? We saw. Yeah. They, okay. They played it. So okay. Cool. So right. it's not like embargo or anything. Okay. Um, we see Aladdin going in. We see him climbing up to the um, Oh, lamp. you saw a lot. We see him uh, rub the lamp. We see the genie come out. We see um, – and and Will Smith does a couple of jokes, and then he launches into the song. And it's it's sung and rapped, um, and Will Smith just doesn't have, like, a singer's voice, right? Like, Some tweets a, I saw said they liked seeing him back in that type of role where, like, he was being funny and – So it wasn't – Maybe. Yeah, but then it gets very over the top with visual spectacle. But it just—I didn't like. It was like um, of it. was it sort of like "Be My Guest" uh, in Beauty and the Beast, where it just yeah. felt super. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like the soul was ripped from that. Yes. scene because it was so CGI, yes. and it got to be like it was just like so it's much in your face, for CGI. too much. Yes, for back, too much fireworks and flying carpets and everything. And I was like, it has. It doesn't look like a Guy Ritchie thing at, in the least bit. I didn't get any Guy Ritchie vibe from the trailer. No. But I will say There's this. one shot that I thought was very Guy Ritchie. Which it's, one? It's a shot where it looks like Aladdin's tied to a chair. Right. And he's like over water. He's like spinning backward in slow motion. Oh, like yeah. When I saw that, I was like, that. So, and it's a, it's maybe a one second shot in the trailer. Well, people that, don't know. Every time I see that shot, I think, that looks like a Guy Ritchie shot. Aladdin's actually a sequel to Snatch. So it's like Frankie Four Fingers yeah. is going to show up and he's still Toro's character. You it's like Dags? It's going it's to be awesome. You like Dags? Um, uh, what's that? What's that? From? Um, is that um, Brad Pitt's character? Yeah. Oh, 
Dogs. Dog, that's right. Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, what was the language he was speaking? I don't know. Oh, the gentleman. Guy Ritchie has another movie coming out, uh, which he was there. That I've the heard looked awesome. Promoting. I did not see the footage from that, but people who did see it said it looks great. It's called The Gentleman, and I'm looking up to see. Apparently, that the looked very Guy Ritchie. I mean, it probably it kind of sounds like he did Aladdin so that he could then turn around and do The Gentleman. I'll say something about Lion King though. Favreau did an amazing job with Jungle Book. So even Jungle Book, I, I love Jungle Book. I'm not. Sean, I don't know what you I'm thought. Not about. I, thought live I thought it was great. I'm not into these live action films. I'm more excited about Lion King than Aladdin. Oh, I am too. Yeah. Jake. Uh, oh, hundred percent. That question. Uh, the Gentleman by Guy Ritchie has Matthew McConaughey doing doing gangster Guy Ritchie. Okay. Charlie Hunnam, uh, Jeremy Strong, Colin Farrell, Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, Hugh Grant, and no one else who I recognize. So it's a really good cast, and I've heard that footage looks fantastic. So if Guy Ritchie has to do Aladdin in order to get to make the Gentleman. Fine. We're What's done. the one thing you want to see in the episode nine uh, trailer? Mm. I'm more interested in uh, honestly. The first thing I think is like, oh, I wonder what piece of John Williams score they're going to use. Oh, nice. That's that's what stands out to me. Okay. BDK. Anything um, else? Anything you want to say? I mean. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to because again, episode eight left me so empty that I don't know. Is it the title? Remember, at this point, we don't even know what the title is. Right. The title. Yeah. I think maybe I'm hoping for some lens flares. Really. Oh, I'm not, that's not a joke, but yeah, that, that's actually something I'm looking forward to. Nice. Kevin needs a piece oh. of paper and he's getting a real blend pad. Yeah. I just need. Is that to your write, first one? Write something down. Is that your first real blend pad? No, I have a couple at home. Oh, I good. use it for the junkets. Oh, nice. Awesome. I go to the screens for right question. Very cool. So, in addition to episode nine, we'll just touch on briefly. Uh, there's going to be two panels at Celebration uh, that I think we're all going to cover. One is the streaming series, The Mandalorian. Are you on board with The Mandalorian? Oh, are you kidding me? Six ninety nine a month, starting yeah. in November. Is that what it's going to cost? Yeah, they just announced today, November twelfth. Seven bucks a ten. Seven bucks a month. Oh my gosh! They threw down the gauntlet, dude. That's amazing. They threw down the gauntlet. Oh, uh, seven bucks a month, one hundred percent. You think they're going to dump a ton of content like right off the bat? Yeah, I, I think we'll get the Lady and the Tramp live action movie. We'll get The Mandalorian. Um, like a full series or a few episodes. That's a good question. Are they going to do the Hulu thing or the Netflix thing? Right. Because um, Netflix puts out like the first three and then you have to wait week for week. I could see them doing week for week. I could see them doing that too. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get at least one Marvel series. Okay. Did I see they were going to do a Love, Simon series? Did you see that? Are they really? I'm being serious. I actually thought they were doing I, – I saw I saw that they were doing a Love, Simon like series on That's Disney+. Plus. Makes sense because Love Simon was a Fox movie. Okay. Oh yeah, I saw that on Twitter before I came here. By the way, did you guys read that article the other day about um, Aladdin's favorite video game of all time? Oh Christ! You guys didn't hear about this? I didn't hear it. No. Oh yeah, Aladdin's a huge gamer. Yeah. What's it called? Aladdin. You remember that uh, that football game, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you you hear about that article? Absolutely. He likes to play online. Yeah. The other thing is Galaxy's Edge. Mm. Um, I don't imagine any of us are going to get to Galaxy's Edge unless they have a media event, right? Hmm. Oh, the uh, the, the Disneyland opens in May, right? And then Disney World opens in August, August. right? So yeah, I, it's I I'm a little concerned about how crowded it's going to be. It's going to be insane. Uh, there is a Galaxy Edge, I believe, panel here this yes. weekend. I, I, I didn't get I didn't get approved for it though. Oh no! I got approved for the episode nine one, but not show who you are. Yeah, I did. I said I'm Jake Hamilton. They said, "Well, that's why you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I, but uh, wait, are you going to the Galaxy Edge panel? I think. You're probably a because when you you should well listen, I'm getting into too many details. When you show up where you need to show up tomorrow, you're gonna get all the stuff you need. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. We're basically tomorrow we're recording this on Thursday. We're going to the episode nine panel tomorrow. We're expecting everyone to be there. Yeah, 
Uh, you said that Oscar Isaac told you at the, Oscar Isaac told me at the Triple Frontier Junk that he would be there. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I want us. I want an indication of plot. I just want to know what the story is going to be. Like, yeah. I am with you in the fact that I got to the end of episode eight and I had no clue where it was going. Yeah. I thought Ryan almost not that he wrote them into a corner, but he brought them to a place where there was no natural. It wasn't a middle chapter in the sense that it ended, and I was like, oh man, you guys really set up, you know, the next big chapter of the story. Yeah. It just kind of ended and it was more like Kylo Ren's still mad and the rebellions, the resistance is still uh, building, but they're smaller. And it was like, it was more of the same. Yeah. We weren't in that different of a place at the end of eight as we were in, at the end of nine. If at all. Or eight and seven. We just yeah. lost, uh, lost Luke Luke. But going into eight, I had so much anticipation yeah. for Ryan Johnson, Star Wars. Yeah. 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 The guy who directed arguably some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Ozymandias and the Fly Ozymandias. Ozymandias. How do you pronounce it? Sorry. I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. Daenerys. Daenerys. <laughs> Ozymandias was what? Uh, that was season Daenerys. We can't, we can't do that because my girl's out sleeping. <laughs> she's sleeping. Oh, my girl. Come, Come here, Daenerys. Come here, girl. She was taking a snoozle. All right. So the other topic that we're getting onto today is um, Avengers Endgame. As I said, we're about two weeks away from being able to see it but Disney held their press event in Los Angeles and typical fashion for the Avengers movies they only showed off a little bit of footage um, and Can we talk about, I'm still amazed that they did not do like a recap narrated by Michael Pena's character from Ant-Man I'm not, yeah. to me that was like it was right there. Everyone wanted it. Right, right, right. The fans were asking for it. They had plenty of time to put it together. Well, they did that with um, when they hired Michelle Pfeiffer. Did you guys ever get to see that video? No. They did it at Comic-Con, and it was Michelle, uh, uh, Michael Pena and um, Paul Rudd going through the entirety of the MCU <laughs> as a pitch. Really? Yeah. And That's awesome. How did they never release that? I don't know. It, it was such a home run video, and I don't know why they didn't let it out. And then um, was Pena doing it like he does in the movie? Yeah. Oh, that's and great. he was explaining every step of the way of where they went from Iron Man to through every single movie, and then um, it gets to the fact that they're pitching it at Michelle Pfeiffer, and they were essentially <laughs> like, "And that's why you have to join our movie, Ant Man and the Wasp." And that's uh, awesome. She was like, "I didn't understand any of that." And then Evangelina Lilly comes in, and she's just like, "That's okay. We're going to have a lot of scenes together." She's like, "Oh, good. I want to do that." And then they they take off. So. Yes, they would have been amazing to do something like that. I want to see that. Instead, you guys got to see what? What happened in the footage so that they showed? Yeah, this yeah. was crazy. So Jake and I basically went to the Walt Disney Studios lot. And uh, Joe and Anthony Russo came out and introduced the footage. We saw about 10 minutes of footage. They did a sizzle reel at the beginning uh, that kind of walked through the MCU, the introductions of the characters. Then we saw two scenes, one of which is out there now. It's partly in the trailer where you see the part where Thor... Thor grabs the axe towards him that goes past Captain Marvel and he says, I like this one. Yeah. Um, that was more of an extended scene. We saw more in detail to that. And the other scene, I don't think we can get into, um, but it was an extension of the sequence uh, in the trailer where Tony's reaching for his um, helmet that's been like messed up. It's mm -hmm. that space sequence. He's with It's essentially like his last will and testament to Pepper. Okay. Right. And so, we, but I don't think we're supposed to go into detail on like exactly what's in this scene. It's a powerful scene. Great scene. And, and th there's one big thing about that scene yes. that we saw that's not in the trailer. Yeah. And I, um, I, and I asked him a we big won't adjustment. Get into it. Yeah. Okay. A big change. Okay. And like, say, like, you yeah. saw the same shot we saw, right. but there was something in our shot that's not in the trailer. What? That makes you go, oh, crap. Yeah. What? And, like, and, I, and I even asked, oh. 
Joe this oh. outside without going to what it is. Yeah. They're, they purposely left the trailer a certain way so they wouldn't give away a certain element what? of a moment. Yeah. And we, we won't say what Stanley that is. Stanley yeah. No, 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 no. It, 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 Here's the thing. When you see it, you're going to go. You're going to go, oh, my God. Yeah. What? yeah, yeah. That's all we're going to say. Yeah. You will tell me after Leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear this. Gabe doesn't want to know. Immediately after So the, the footage fight. ends, which is so, it was cool. Like, so Joe and Anthony Russo come out. Is uh, Kevin's mom? Yes. My mom, my mom is in space on the outside of the window, floating by just waving. And you yeah. guys are like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This oh changes God. everything. So, uh, yeah, they do the footage. It was awesome. And so footage ends and Joe and Anthony Russo are on the steps talking to everybody as they're leaving and we're basically standing there with Joe Russo going over this what we just saw and particularly that, that the thing detail. we're referring to which yeah. we won't talk about but uh, and here's what it's a great detail it's a great detail There's a, shut I, up about the detail yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're killing me well I'm, I'm adding it just to piss you off ah. just, just digging the dagger it's, annoying. it's not. it's actually not a big spoiler we just, but, we, just we're, we don't want to give it we don't want to yeah, sure yeah, yeah, let's just move on from that yeah. but here's what I'll say when I saw that scene that's the first thing I noticed yes I agree um, so yeah so anyway so the, so the footage ends we're outside on the steps Joe and Anthony Russo are talking to everybody I, we like kind of held court with Joe Russo for like 10 minutes uh, and then Joe Russo got pulled aside, and Joe said, "I have to go. We're, we're at the, we have to finish the movie, right. which is the, arguably the greatest excuse ever to leave a conversation. I have to go finish in Endgame." Yeah, yeah. But it was actually not a joke. It was the literal <laughs> thing he was going to do. So him and Anthony walked across the street, up another pair of steps into a Disney building that said animation on it, and they walked into a theater where Walt Disney used to hold screenings. Right. Uh, for people on the lot years and years ago, and they sat there. They, they grabbed these three VFX shots that they needed color timed. They sat there in these chairs. They finished the film at midnight, I believe Joe said, and then they had cupcakes that were, had infinity stones on them. Yeah, and they hugged, and the movie was done. Right, right. So like, we were just like sitting there on the lot with Joe and Anthony. This is how we're going to end this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I've got cupcakes. Good, Excellent. They, they all have Dave's face on it. <laughs> And it's funny because I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I, I kept going over to Jake going, Jake, do you have any idea how monumentally historic this is? That we're sitting here right now in the lot, right. and Joe and Anthony Russo are finishing the film as we're sitting here. That's insane. And then the next day we get to talk to them about what it was like to finish the film, right. which was just surreal. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. So you asked them a question, and they gave you an answer that I think we can talk about because it's in the trailers. Yeah. They told you that the Captain America <laughs> and, and Tony Stark scene... That's in the trailer yeah. of them shaking hands and saying, do you trust me, is not in the movie. <laughs> well, so Joe Russo, like, jokingly says he Kaiser Soze'd me. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, yeah. So I, 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 with these Marvel films, one thing I've always kind of resorted to with my interviews with them is to talk about things that I've seen in the trailer so that way you can just kind of – you can talk about something that's already out there. Right. Like I remember like when I interviewed Chris Evans for Captain America Civil War, I wanted to know about filming the scene when, when we when he when he goes, What is he go, Hey, under ruse. Uh, yeah. and then or and then and then, and then doesn't Spidey grab the The shield. The shield, right. So I you know, I said, Listen, Chris, this is not a spoiler, it's out there. What was it like to shoot that scene? Did, yeah. did you have it in your hand? Did they really kind of yank it out of you and on a wire into into Tom Holland's hand? Because you can just go into that because it's there. You sure. don't and you don't have to tiptoe around spoilers. Or sometimes you ask about the last movie. Like, you would ask about Infinity War right. this time. Right, yeah. And that's what I did with RDJ in the conference. But the, um, 
Name dropping Robert Downey Jr. Uh, no, but the, you didn't even name drop Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> RDJ, <laughs> his nickname. Um, anyway, so long story short, uh, I, so I, you, my last question to Anthony and Joe was, you know, my favorite scene in the trailer is when Cap and uh, Iron Man shake hands. Iron Man says, "Do you trust me?" Cap says, "I do." I, do. I just wanted to know what that moment was like to film emotionally behind the camera. Yeah. These are two guys who have been through a lot together. That moment could have been easily a comedic moment. It was very serious. And then Anthony starts to answer the question, and then Joe goes, it's not in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who is he kidding? I don't know. I can't tell. But if you watch, if, so if you watch that video closely, it's funny, because I put it on YouTube, and people are, have been analyzing it. Yeah. Like, and so if you zoom in, if you look at Anthony Russo's face when Joe says that, right, right. it's like he, he's even surprised that Joe said that out loud. Right, right. But then like, if you watch Joe's, Anthony's face starts to turn into a smile once he realizes that Joe's messing with me in a certain way. Right. So I don't know. He, he says it's in the movie and then he says it's not in the I movie. I just can't believe that they would. They're, I feel like they just tiptoed so around so much during those interviews. I, I, I can't believe they would just drop something that yeah, big true. in a drunken interview. True. Or could the scene be... So a lot of comments, and again, I'm there are a lot of people who have a lot of crazy theories about Endgame. Right. People say this, that scene may be in the movie but altered. Like what if it's well, a, a lot difference? of scenes, like that, like that one shot in the Infinity War trailer where um, Downey is walking toward. He's like after he is with Mark Ruffalo and Doctor Strange, right? And he's walking out, and he's like, and he does that cool where he takes his glasses yeah, off yeah, when he's yeah. about to uh, fight the children of Thanos. Right, right. In the trailer, he's just like in normal clothes. Yeah. And then in the movie, he's in full blown. He's Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. And then didn't yeah, they have a, an adjustment did, like did that? Did they have a scene in Infinity War of Hulk running through? Wakanda? Yeah, Hulk, yeah, Hulk, yeah, which isn't in the movie at all. Right. And then today they had a, they released some new footage, and you see like all the the Avengers putting their hands in a circle, right. with all the white suits on, as if like. Downey and all of them are all back together somehow. See, I won't watch anymore. See, I, anymore. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm I keep saying that and then they draw something. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is I think what happened in that moment was I was going in just for, I wasn't going in for a spoiler question. Yeah. I was just trying to simply get an answer of emotionally what it was like to be behind the camera right. when you had Tony and, and Cap shake hands. Right. Joe's the one who took it on a level of it's not in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't my, my question wasn't whether it was in the movie or not. Level of an answer. Right. I wasn't going for that. All I wanted was them to tell me what it was like to shoot that scene. Right. But it, clearly that scene is probably spoilerish in itself in context with the film. Probably. So I think what they do is they divert to funny instead of answering. What was the setup? Jakey, what did they show? Costumes? What are we talking about? At the, at at the actual the, junket? At the junket. It was actually fantastic. They Wait, didn't a, you? You said you were going to ask a question about I what didn't get around to us were not in the trailer. Because I, I, I got cut off. Because I wonder if anyone else asked that yeah. because my question yeah. was about the emotions of shooting the scene and then they went into a bit about it not being in the trailer and I'm like... Yeah. I ended up asking a question which now I'm kicking myself because it's this was a particularly tough junket to prepare for because you wanted to ask questions that weren't going to yield the generic like oh yeah it's the end of an era and all that kind of crap we've heard 10,000 times before but then also you wanted to ask you want to ask questions that wouldn't make them go well that's a spoiler so I can't talk right. about that so there's right. this very very small gray area of interesting and questions they can actually answer yeah. um, and I tried to ask this question about and I related it to you know we all saw Infinity War early and I don't know about you guys but after I saw it and we saw what happened after the snap my first thought was I can't wait for my friends to see it yeah. and I so badly I went like went back with a couple of friends oh, their faces yeah, 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 I, great question. I remember yeah. like purposefully when that happened when I was with my friends after I already, and I knew what was coming yeah. I 
sort of casually looked over to see what their faces were. Yeah. And so my question was, when Endgame, you know, a lot of the, the cast, they don't know what's going to happen. When Endgame's over, right. whose face do you most want to see? Okay. And, they, and they wouldn't answer it. So who do you and, think it is? Because I, they, I think they want to see Caps. Okay. I, they see, I think they want to see Evans. Okay. Because I think Evans is the last shot of the movie. Well, also, they make cat movies. Yes. Their arc has but been They Captain told me Thanos is their favorite character. Because Brolin asked the question. Brolin asked the question. <laughs> yeah, but, if it's not Cap, it's down. I think right? the, the last shot of the movie, I really think is going to be... Uh, how about that dance? Yes! I think mean, they send him back in time. God, I yeah. hope they send him back in time. So Because he's been through so much crap. Right. He deserves to be back with her. So right. my question now is... Yes. So my ending question was simply about the emotion of shooting that scene. Right. And then Joe took it in a direction of joking that it wasn't in the film. If someone straight up... Because you said you were going to straight up ask yeah, him... Yeah, that was going to be my next question. If... And now I'm mad at myself for using my last question on a question they couldn't really answer. So if you if you would have been no, what if they answered? What do you mean? What if they answered? what if they answered it? Right? Yeah, answered. but now I'm kicking yeah. myself because now I'm looking back, going, of course they weren't going to answer. But that. if you, but my question now though, now I want to know is if Jake asked the question of what scenes are not in the movie, what would they have said? Would they have gone like because I brought up a scene as an emotional thing oh, and they yeah. joked on it? What would they have actually given you an answer? No, they wouldn't answer that. So either. the only reason he went there is because because he thought. I think I think the reason he went there in my interview is because he wanted to divert the question. If you look at Joe's face, like he's like telling me to look over here, he's yeah, like yeah, diverting yeah. me. And I'm like, that's you didn't answer my question. My question is about the emotions behind the scene, not if you I put it in the I film. Think it's going to be very interesting to go back and rewatch our interviews after yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah. the movie. Yeah, it's going to be completely. Here's what I'll say though, and and I say this with Kevin doing his is doing way more numbers than mine. I did these because we post our interviews on YouTube, and I and everyone kept telling me that entire weekend these these, these interviews are going to do well. These interviews are going to do well, and I honestly did not. I was like, it's not the Avengers. It's the, like, and I love the Rousseau brothers. I think they're fantastic, but I didn't particularly think that people were out there waiting on a Rousseau brothers interview. Right, right. Yeah, and and I say this not to brag because, like I said, Kevin's is doing way more numbers than mine, but my interview in the first twenty four hours got a hundred thousand views. Wow, That's I just people are looking for. This is the director. I mean, this is the director. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised yeah. how well these were doing. But it's it's funny because like I go back to like my interview with uh, Joss Whedon, for example, right. for Age of Ultron, and there's that epic shot of them all like jumping in the woods together. Yeah. And like you know, back then I would ask a question like that, and then like Joss would answer it. I feel like the Rooster Brothers are in a point where now they just they can't tell you anything, yeah. and it's like. Like I would, I would, I would, I remember asking Joss Whedon, I was like, what was it like to have all those guys on screen jumping at the same time? Right. He go, oh, it was amazing. We did this, this, this. I'm like, that's a cool answer. But then Joe just kind of messes with you a little bit. In a, but, in, but in a lovingly cool way. And in a way, I almost wish they would do this. Because the movie's going to open huge regardless, and you don't need a junket to promote it, right? So you do a, a junket second week. Ooh, that's a brilliant idea. Well, it's funny when, when Joe but Russo... that's still tough, too. When he walked away from me... You spoiler questions because you have to assume, at least in TV audience times. Yeah. For, for Cinema Blend, it would be perfect. Right. When they do that sometimes, yeah. right? We do. For, I, oh, like yeah, our, we do. Our, I, still, I couldn't go on air Not the week second later. week after it comes out and then talk about the ending. Well, they're... they're no, really? What if this... No. Thing, even if it has a massive... No. It's, it, I, I'd say like a month. You have a to, month? Yeah. But online's different. You have a choice. Yeah. Oh, I... Interesting. Yeah. TV I you're watching, TV, yeah. online you have a choice to click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Joe, Joe Russo said when he was walking away from our interview after we were done, right. when he was leaving for the day, he's like, I can't wait to talk to you after the film. Yeah. 
See, I I think that scene's in the film. I just think that they've adjusted it. Probably. And I think him saying it's not in the movie is his way of saying we, well, we probably... I'll say one thing that I saw online is that someone freeze-framed the handshake. Yeah. And it's not Cap, it's Ant-Man. What? What? Oh, so they, cause, so they, cause they go close up on the handshake. They go close up on the handshake. See, to me, that the, see, it's funny. The handshake wasn't even something that resonated with me. It was the line. It yeah. was, do you trust me? I do. Right. That, that's what hit me. I'm like, that's a really great line. So they, Especially after everything they went through. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. War. That yeah. could have been a joke. And, like, and you brought up a good point, too. It, could, it, it did feel like they were setting up for a joke. Cap could have been like, they're taking this very seriously. Come on, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, there was one. Now I don't want to say it because you didn't watch the 30-second spot that came out today. There was one moment in the 30-second spot that came out today that was a serious moment followed by a joke. Right. And to our conversation, I thought, I kind of hope that's not in the movie because that's such a great right. moment and kind of ruined by a joke. Did you also okay. see what uh, how Anthony answered my Deadpool question? Yeah. It felt like he just didn't want to go there. I, part of me wonders, like, is Deadpool in the movie? No. No. I, no. I mean, the way Anthony... Honestly, that would piss me off. It would piss me off. All right. It's got to have closure for yeah. this. I can't. I can't even figure out what percentage of the movie will have the characters that dusted. I don't think we've seen any of the film. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, I could. Wouldn't be amazing if the two scenes they showed us aren't in the movie. They shot them just for our yeah. footage presentation. I wouldn't put it past them. Honestly, like really Anthony true. and Joe Russo, like they're geniuses. Yeah, and I honestly could see them. Like I don't know if anything we saw in the trailers is going to be in the film. That's really funny. How funny would that be? We haven't even seen. We haven't. Have we seen Thanos yet? Are we, we, yeah, yeah. Thanos Thanos. Thanos. Briefly. Okay. Yeah. He shows up at the end and he says, "You couldn't live with your own failures." Yeah. Oh, which is a great line. But that's all. It's a voiceover, isn't it? Isn't it? As they're he walking on the Titan. Yeah, he shows There's up. There's like lights. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of things I've heard, and I don't want to say them because I don't know if they're accurate. Like it's all speculation. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. The joke it was cool though because we actually got to. Um, we were so we were in this really cool room with all the costumes. Uh, and I want I'll tell you this one really cool moment. Hemsworth was <laughs> leaving his interviews for the day, and they're all the costumes are set up for all the Avengers, and Thor's costumes there with his axe from Infinity War that was made from Groot and yeah. uh, with uh, Tyrion Lannister. And um, uh, so we uh, I'm sitting there a, next to a poster, and Hemsworth is leaving, and I didn't say anything to him, but he stopped at his own costume put his hand out as if to grab the axe and mimicked the axe coming into his hand. <laughs> it was kind of weird, like, seeing him, like... Because that's probably how he does it on set, right? Because yeah, he doesn't really sure. fly into his hand like that. But I don't know. I thought that was weird. It was Wait, just, tell the Ronin story. I don't... Can we tell oh, that? I, I probably, oh, no, I'll tell it. Yeah. I don't... Is that... Okay? No, it's out there. Everyone, everyone... I mean, there's a whole... There have been articles about this. Oh, people talked about it already. Yeah. Okay, well, all right, go ahead. So they <laughs> had sure. a long hallway of all of the costumes... <laughs> Um, from like all the different characters and then a little signage at the bottom saying who each person was and yeah. most of them you didn't need one of them was like a sports jacket and jeans and I was like who the hell and it was like Bruce Banner I was like oh, oh yeah everyone had an intricate costume yeah. and then it was jeans yeah. and a button even down even Tony Stark's was, like, was like, <laughs> the Iron Man suit Bruce like, Banner Stark, yeah. had, like, a black shirt with like the, the thing glowing yeah, in his yeah, chest yeah, yeah. but for uh, quote unquote Hawkeye the Hawkeye costume it says Ronin right? mm. it doesn't say Hawkeye right. so Chris Hemsworth walks by and pauses and looks and goes Who's Ronin? <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, it's, it's, it's Jeremy Renner. He goes, 
Oh, <laughs> and he just kept walking. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Yeah, to yeah. his defense, I had. No, I mean, but it had the actor's name underneath. Yeah, but I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know. I don't remember Ronan. I don't know the Ronan version of that character. I guess, there's, so. a, there's a there's a anonymous uh, figure, Ronan, that different characters can adopt when they are going on vengeance missions. So if you if he doesn't want to be Hawkeye, because in the comics he's part of the Avengers, he's a very famous. Uh, uh, a superhero, and if he wants to go on a mission that's kind of shady and has uh, a vengeance tacked to it, he can adapt the persona of Ronan, and he can go out and do whatever he wants to the people who have wronged him, yeah. and it won't sully the name of Hawkeye. So my theory is that, and if you could do, guys want me to share the theory? Sure, yeah. That his family, Linda Cardellini and all the yeah. that and Ultron, I, I feel like they'll die they, in the yeah, snap, yeah. and oh, he'll go dark. Um, Which is why we see him in the trailer. He's like, yeah, he's Ronan in that part. Yeah, okay. And he's devastated, and he looks depressed in the trailers. Yeah, like he's yeah. like sitting there against the wall. So like, we may see a scene of him like holding his holding family, his family. Or his family, and they're going to dust. Do you think we'll go back to his that moment with Probably. him? There is one other shot in one of the different trailers of him training his daughter. And there, and he has the ankle bracelet on, which means he was under house arrest, like Scott Lang was after they broke after they were oh, released yeah, from right. prisons in, in Civil War. Oh, Scott right. was in on house arrest for all of Ant Man and the Wasp, so Hawkeye would be also. So he got to go home back to that farm. He's got the ankle bracelet on, and um, and I'm assuming they're all going to dust, and then he'll go mad. I don't know why he's in Japan or Tokyo or wherever he is, um, and why he's going after. There were a lot of stories on Cinema Blind when they started filming this that the yakuza, um, the samurai um, mafia essentially were a part of this movie and that they cast people to be Yakuza soldiers. Um, and then Renner is in some, somewhere with an Asian bet. I don't know where he is. Hmm. So I, to, to that point, I think that there are enormous chunks of this movie that we just have no clue what's going to be happening in it. And yeah. so, and it's a three hour movie. Yeah. Um, we were movie and we've seen five minutes of footage. It was cool being at the press junket for it too, because you're just sitting in a area where, Every five minutes, someone an Avengers walking by. Yeah, yeah. Like I saw, like Downey Jr. walked by at one point wearing this amazing suit, and we had an exchange about how cool his yeah. suit was. And he introduced me to his uh, his stylist. He's yeah. like, "Thank her, she's amazing," or whatever. And then like Ruffalo walks by, Cheadle. We talked to Cheadle for I a minute. I get to shake uh, Chris, Chris Evans' hand and say, "Hey, yeah. man, thank you for a lifetime of happiness through this character." Right. And he's like, "Oh, he goes, that's that's a really nice thing to say." And even as he walked down the hallway, he looks at the guy, another guy, he goes. Wasn't, did you hear that? Wasn't that a nice thing to say? <laughs> so just like, because unfortunately, uh, Kevin and I did not get interviews with the actual Avengers themselves. Um, so we had to kind of take whatever we could get. And at the end of the day, we were fortunate enough to, and I'm going to be posting this next week uh, if people want to check it out. Uh, Kevin and I have interviewed these people since their original films. Right. You know, I got Downey for the original Iron Man, uh, Evans for the original Cap, Chris Hemsworth for the original Thor, and then Ruffalo for the for Avengers. So I'm putting together a retrospective package looking back on like kind of look especially since the this the, the last big trailer was all about the first films and look how far we've come mm-hmm. so i'm doing this package on like nerdy little almost borderline high school jake interviewing this is like 10 years ago interviewing uh these guys for these movies who and at one point uh evan says something about like yeah i signed a six movie contract and i was like is that three captains and three avengers he goes yeah three captains and three avengers no kidding and there's a there's one and uh one of my interviews with downey like a little nerdy me, I'm like, are you excited to do the Avengers? And like, it's just it's just weird talking to Downey years before the Avengers yeah. came out about like one day maybe yeah. there'll be an Avengers movie. Right. Um, so yeah, so that'll be coming out. But anyway, 
the point being that, uh, you know, I think Kevin and I were kind of just looking for any kind of moment to have with these people. And you got to actually ask Downey a question at the press conference. Yeah, this was cool. So the press conference was the next day, or, yeah, the next day. And I got there at 8.30 for a 10 o'clock press conference, and the line was out, like, out the door. And, I mean, you got to think about who's going to be there. Evans, Downey, the original Avengers. Yeah. Um, and so I went there. Just I wanted to just to go. Um, but I also wanted to ask a question. I remember calling Jake beforehand. I, was, I had three questions I wanted to ask. Because like, when you're up there with all of those guys, like you want to ask something that will hopefully yield an interesting answer. But you also want everyone to be included. But it just press conferences are really weird sometimes where you don't get a chance to get an answer from everybody. Uh, anyway, so John Favreau uh, walks out uh, to host the event, obviously director of the first Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and there's a huge curtain with a gigantic A on it, and then he introduces the Avengers, the curtain drops, and half the chairs are empty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like, you know, and Favreau makes a joke that, you know, this is a much different press conference now after post, we're in a post-snap world. Right, right. So obviously they had chairs that were probably meant for... Tom Holland and uh, Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, and That's funny. it was it was in Sebastian Stan, Winter Soldier. Um, so press conference goes on. Uh, Favreau asks each of the Avengers individual questions. They you know they talk about the legacy of it, and uh, I, I I just I just wanted to talk to Downey Jr. about filming that scene in Infinity War when Spidey turns to dust. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a probably the hardest scene to watch in the whole MCU, in my opinion, like emotionally. Mm-hmm. But he's never talked about it because you couldn't talk to him about it because right. no one had seen it by the time those interviews were happening for Infinity War. Um, so I, I, I stood up and like, I, I'm sitting in front of Kevin Feige, Don Cheadle, Robert Jarry Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson, Karen Gillan. Like, like it's intimidating. Yeah. And then the Lion King director is calling on me to ask a question, right? So, like, it, it, the, the moderators. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> moderators are normally, like, a journalist or uh, – but having, like, John Favreau, it was the, – the actors who were sitting in front of me were such a big deal to me that it didn't even occur to me that the Lion King director was, was right. asking me to ask that? a question. The swingers. I know. It's just crazy. Swingers. So anyways, I raised my hand, they called me, I stand up, and I just asked Downey about what it was like to film that scene, holding, um, you know, Holland, emotionally, what that scene meant for you, and then for the rest of the cast, who was the hardest person for you to watch disintegrate into right. dust? Downey takes it for like two minutes, Joe and him do a joking interaction, and then, like most press conferences, press conferences, it moves on to the next question. Because right, right. Downey finishes, and the rest of the cast is kind of like moved on by that point. Sure. Which, which is normal, it's just how it works. Uh, you try to get them all to answer, but it, it, it doesn't happen. Right. The, the coolest part about that answer, I thought, was he talked about, he, first of all, he, Downey Jr. fashion, he jokes about, he goes, I look really shredded. He goes, I love the lighting in that scene. I look really shredded. And then like, and then Joe Russo goes, emotionally shredded. And then and then Downey goes into his character's voice from Tropic Thunder and goes, I'm as shredded as a Julian Salad Man, which was like a line, I guess he said, in Tropic Thunder. Right. Then he switched to serious, as Downey does really well, from comedic to serious. Tells a story about, I believe, a Scottish child who watched the film with him for the first time. It's kind of amazing. And I don't hear those stories. Yeah, I think this... What I gathered from it, the child was not able, healthy enough somehow to get to the premiere right. or see the film. So it's, from what I gathered, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, it sounded like Downey went to watch the film with him right. uh, in a very special viewing. Cause, uh, and I guess he said that when he watched Holland disintegrate, he looked over at the Scottish kid and watched his reaction, right. and it really messed him up. That's, amazing. That's amazing. Um, and then he talked about, uh, you know, he says it's a movie. He goes, we shot the scene, and the next... 
they were craft services together. They, you know, it's like a, it's a it's a strange world. But like you know, he said it was a very and then he, then he actually gave the Russos props. He goes, most mo- movies don't have the the b words <laughs> to uh, to do that. Yeah, I mean, the think about b words. I know. I uh, mm-hmm. but think of, you think about how risky that ending is. That's oh, a that's a but... gigantic and like I think Downey no, was not just a matter of of them killing Spider Man, but they milked it. And they oh, reminded yeah. us that he's a kid. Yeah. Him saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Right. Oh, well, that's it, what, that's yeah. what, yeah. I mean, that, that's why to me, Tom that's Holland is the best Spider Man. Because he reminds, in the same way uh, in uh, Homecoming, when he's screaming help, when he's trapped under the mm-hmm. room. Yeah. Because it's a moment where you go, crap, he's oh, yeah. a kid. He's You're not kid. Robert, he's not a grown man. He didn't, you know, it, it, he's not this guy that's this billionaire that has all this stuff. He's a high school kid. Right. And he shouldn't be tasked with these responsibilities. And he shouldn't be on this island or on this island, this planet by himself, turning to dust, scared, you know. And all he was trying to do was try to help. Okay. And, uh, and that's that's why, to me, the, the Rousseau's representation. Because they're, they're, they're the ones that introduced us to his Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what yeah. Downey said. He goes, I, he goes, I have to give credit to Anthony and Joe, basically. Did for, they cast him? Oh, I, I don't, I'm sure they did for that, but I'm talking about like killing off these yeah. characters. Yeah. Like that's a really but did risky they, like, move. Well, did they ca- like they or did Marvel him. make the decision to say this is the Spider-Man you're going to have? And so no, more. they cast him. That's um, they cast him, and then I asked Anthony during a phone interview if they were happy with the reaction to Captain Marvel. That fans were, you know, basically responding to it. That the movie was doing really well, knowing that she was going to be a significant part of Endgame, and he told me that they shot her scenes yep. so far in advance that they, like, they filmed stuff with her before they even knew there was going to be a Captain Marvel. Movie. Well, that's what Brie Larson said at the press conference, which blew my mind even more. I know you said that, but hearing her say that I had to go film Endgame with the idea that Marvel hadn't happened yet. Right. And so then somehow put her that in. in game. Yes. Under the pretense that that might have been our introduction to the yes. character. There wasn't going to... Uh, Does oh, that yeah. not bother you at all? <laughs> no, here's two things. I think when, the, I think the Captain Marvel movie was going to be happening anyway. When we went right? to the set of Infinity War, Brie Larson had a mailbox. Yeah. Everybody has a mailbox, a box with, uh, where all their stuff gets delivered to. And it's every cast member. And at the top we saw Brie Larson. So, of course, later on, everyone's like, so Brie Larson. And they were like, ah, oh, we can't talk about it. And then uh, we got Marcus and McFeely, the two screenwriters. Oh, Captain Marvel, how are you going to bring her in? You know, well, we have ideas for the for the character, uh, but we can't necessarily bring her in. And then it was the costume designer when we spoke to him. We were like, well, who's the, you know, what's the big change you guys worked on? What's the big thing that you kind of went? And they said, we can't wait for everybody to see Captain Marvel's costume. And at this point, we were still talking about just Infinity Wars. So we were like, uh oh, you know, she's in it. Captain Marvel's going to be revealed in Infinity War. And so they were clearly filming stuff with her. But even when we were on the set of that, they knew they were filming stuff back to back, but they didn't know where the movie was going to break. They weren't 100% certain. And I know they've even said they thought... How, the, they, how are they, they not 100% the snap, certain? Well, they said they thought the snap might be saved for Endgame. Um, I heard that. And they said something in your interview too. No, no, it was Downey. When Downey said, I feel like we were on Titan for years. So that, he said that in my answer? In your answer. Oh yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I that's right. I felt like we were. On t- I think they just shot a lot of Titan stuff. Well, Titans and yeah, it's in Infinity War, but I bet you it's an Endgame well, too. Don't we see it in it? And, and we do result, because he says you all brought back. It looks to like me. they're walking through onto Titan. On Titan. That's yeah, what I yes, thought. it looks like it. I don't know, hundred percent for sure, but I think they just shot a lot of stuff and then figured out where it was going to go. There was also that story that Joss Whedon wanted Captain Marvel to be an Ultron. Did you hear that story? No. There's a plate 
it, <laughs> he wanted Captain Marvel to be in Age of Ultron. And she was going to get introduced in that scene at the end of Age of Ultron when Cap is assembling the new team. Yeah. Mm. And they're all arriving at different points. And it was Scarlet Witch who drops down and she's got a new costume. Yeah. That was supposed to be Captain Marvel. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Joss wanted to introduce her in that movie. And he wanted it to be the audience being very much like, who is this? Yeah. You're going to be kidding me. Like, and he wanted that to be her introduction. And Feige was the one who was like, we're not doing that. Like, I have a bigger plan yeah. in place. And you're not just going to uh, work her in as a cameo. So they've been trying to get Captain Marvel in this whole time and I think she was always going to be part of the Infinity War Endgame yeah. thing because she's the only one powerful enough to fight that. Scarlett Johansson was really complimentary of Whedon at the press conference she was because you know a lot of talk now is about the Russo brothers and the people who are currently working recency effect on yeah. these Avengers movies and, and the Russo brothers to me are the greatest filmmakers that the MCU has had they made my three favorite MCU movies no question but it was cool seeing Scarlett Scarlett like took a question at some point and went back to the idea that I want to give Joss credit for like you know, being on the forefront of these female superheroes in the the midst of these Avengers movies, right? And like, because Joss was very big on that, so um, oh, that was kind of interesting to hear. Now, and now that I have watched every single episode of Game of Thrones, I can't understand how Alan Taylor botched a Thor movie. Like, he seemed perfect. For a Thor movie. What Thor did he do? He Dark, did World? Dark World? Dude. Dark World is not as bad as you remember it being. I'm not saying that it is, but it's not good. No. And I thought good. the guy who did Game of Thrones, I totally get why he was hired for this. So we just did um, an hour on a game and none of us have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't yeah. imagine what's actually going to happen when we are able to see it. Right now, I'm down to see it Tuesday the 22nd. I believe you guys are aiming for the 22nd, if not maybe even earlier than yeah. that. So we will be able to report on it uh, later. We will also we will do a non-spoilery reaction. We will do a full-on spoiler dive uh, into it. We'll get to plenty of that stuff. But for this week uh, in movies, let me go through the things that are opening. We have after the steamy. Teen I saw that sex last movie? night. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was Did that? You? Yeah, I was there. I was there. Were only two guys in the whole theater. Actually, <laughs> um, it was bad. Is it right? Yeah. But my so my wife my wife. Lauren has been reading those books a lot. Um, All their books? Yeah. And it's, it's essentially, it's from what Lauren has told me, it's, it's, it's like 50 Shades. 50 Shades it's like right? fan fiction. Apparently it started off it's as Harry Styles fan, fan fiction. fiction. Right. What? Right. Yes. So yeah. apparently... Didn't 50 Shades start as Twilight fan fiction? It, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I guess this author was obsessed with One Direction before I understand. It's like, I saw that. Yeah. I, saw I did that see it. Night. Oddly enough, I didn't see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's essentially Twilight, Fifty Shades, meets Cruel Intentions, meets whatever. Um, it was, my wife said it best. The books were R-rated, the movie was PG-13, and it just felt restricted. Like, I don't, know, I don't know why they just didn't go full out to give the fans what I guess what the fans would expect from a book like that. Right. But as I sat next to my wife who'd read the, read the books, I could hear the disappointment in her voice about... Oh, that scene didn't go that way. That's not how that. Why did they cut that out? This is, you know. But well, I mean, I, I know people that feel like uh, Fifty Shades movies. Didn't yeah, go as but far those as were R, which was still like, they gave them a little bit more of the sexual tension yeah. between the two. Uh, this film, oh, I don't think it was horrible. I actually thought the leads were good. Uh, the 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 lead actress, I think her name. So, do you remember the girl from Thirteen Reasons Why? Yeah, Catherine Langford, yeah. her sister. Who plays the lead in this movie? <laughs> I don't know her name. I just love it, like you like introduce this actress where you're like, yeah, we know her. It's her sister. It's sister, it's sister. <laughs> and then I think it's Joseph. Uh, I think Fines? it's Ralph Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. It's everyone's <laughs> sibling. <laughs> the entire movie is a sibling of I, someone famous. I think he was in a Harry Potter film. He's like hero something, right? 
He was, I think he's Ray Fiennes' nephew. So the title after refers to, this is who we hire after the famous yeah. person yeah. passes. Yeah. Someone needs to tell me why there were four screenwriters in that film. That's what my yeah. question got. Uh, and, and so, I was, four screenwriters and the t- best title they could come up with is after. <laughs> well, the, I actually think the title is actually kind of clever. It's basically this idea that who you were before you met the love of your life and who you are after. Yeah. It's kind of clever. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's... It was not good. It was laughable at times. It was, but it's not, here's the thing. Every movie should be for everybody, but I think fans of the book are going to be disappointed Okay. from what I gathered from Lauren's reaction. Okay. Um, what about Little? Anyone see Little? No. Anyone see Missing Link? Hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Also, it did not go as uh, in deep. With the sexual tension, as I as I thought it was missing going to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really. No, you know, it's I'm not a massive fan of that studio style of animation. Like that, so yeah, yeah, the Coraline, the, yeah, the Coraline, the sort of stop motion animation. Yeah, I love Night Before Christmas, but I kind of love how dirty and messy it is. I right. mean, I feel like you can almost borderline see the fingerprints of the artist on the characters. Mm-hmm. It, these days, it looks too clean. Okay, um, and I'm not sure who the target audience for this film is. Okay, uh, there are a lot of like. As like in a grown man, there are a lot of clever jokes that I thought were really funny. But yeah. the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, there's got to no adults are going to see this unless their kid wants to see it, and I just don't see any kid wanting to see um, this. Movie. Brendan wants to see it. I will say, my 11 year old. Yeah, well, fuck me. So the commercials, there was like, can we go see Missing Link? He also wants to see Wonder Park, and he also wants to see Shazam, and he wants to catch. You haven't seen your son see Shazam yet? No, no. What are you doing? It's on the road. I don't spend any time with my children. I'm here. We're your children now. (laughs) I spend time with you guys all the time. Um, Arthur Mingo, who follows us on Twitter, has a really good question. He says, how is Jake going to quit the the podcast this week and walk away if it's being recorded at your house? Oh, I'm going to fire you all. Oh, and send you out. We have to yeah. go? There you go. Arthur. That's your yeah. friend. Or I'm <laughs> going to uh, change my Wi-Fi password so Gabe can't upload it. Ha- let's talk Hellboy um, because I'm fascinated by Hellboy. Uh, it's not good. It it's, but it's not as – it's not good. It's not. <laughs> but it's not as bad as I think everyone's making it. I feel like there's a bandwagon. People are jumping. Like Del Toro on. fans? Del Toro fans. And I feel like honestly the second this movie was announced without Del Toro and without Ron Perlman – People went in with her. I mean, it's one of the most insane films I've ever seen. Is it really? Like, in, I didn't in, hate it. I didn't hate it either, but it is out there. Right. It is. It's it's and almost they, too violent. Okay. If that makes if that's they, a, it's almost it's, as if they're like, look, guys, do you see we got an R rating? Right. See, here's what we can don't do. Don't forget. Don't forget we got an R rating. We're talking about some really nasty stuff, like really gross stuff. But um, like, like not to keep bringing back Game of Thrones. But Game of Thrones, when, when something violent happens in Game of Thrones, there's an emotion that goes with it. Right. Like Hellboy was just yeah, like, but also too. Hellboy, it's it's a lot of violence for, for like fantasy cool. characters. Yeah, gotcha. but it's still gross. It's it's one thing to. <laughs> You know, in Game of Thrones, watch a dog rip apart a baby versus, like, watching the head of a monster blow up. Right, right, right. It's just different. Gotcha. Is David Harbour any good? He's fine. Yeah. I thought thought David Harbour was really good, actually. I thought he was the best part of the movie. The script is horrible. The direction, and I love Neil Marshall. I love The Descent. Uh, I was shocked how poorly it was directed. It's I just o- don't care about Hellboy as a character. Well, it's overly complicated. That's my, that's my issue, too. Is I didn't even particularly like the... Um, Del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah, I like the Del Toro movies, movies, but I also love I love Doug Jones as Abe Sapien. I thought Perlman was great as uh, Hellboy. I thought Harbor Harbor was awesome, um, but the movie is just. Did it make you want to see more? No, no, it was it was just it was actually just really painfully convoluted wow. and did not interest me in the least in regards to storytelling. Right. But on the flip side of it, it is just 
the most one of the most insane. You should see it just to, just to see it because right. I can't believe what they got away with. Right. It's out there. It's really out there. Like it's, it's like. I mean, is it gonna bomb at the box? Oh yeah. Movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's R-rated. I mean, it's, you know, I don't. I'm not, not saying R-rated superhero movies don't do well, but I don't feel attraction for this. I think Shazam's probably be number one again. Probably. Shazam yeah. is still doing really well. I was very happy that Pet Cemetery did really well. For this reason also, uh, we were able to do a completely spoiler-filled conversation with the co-directors of Pet Cemetery. So if you guys were able to see Pet Cemetery, I want you to listen in to our conversation with the co-directors where we talked in, uh, in detail, great detail, about adapting this film from Stephen King's novels, why Stephen King's novels make really good adaptations, why we're back into the golden age of King. Some of the King big, is Some of the big changes that they did to the book um, and the ending. We talked at length about the ending, which is pretty gonzo. So give us uh, a few minutes of your time and listen to our spoiler-filled conversation with the co-directors of Pet Cemetery right now. Do it. Cinema Blend, this is for our Real Blend podcast, and I want to start, you guys mentioned this last night from the stage, you said you had a pitch uh, that you went in with for this, and it was about getting that kicked up the ladder and getting it approved from different places. I'm wondering what you can tell me about your just initial pitch into the story. It wasn't so much a pitch, it was really just, uh, like Kevin was saying, we, we, we came on board, we read their script, and it was, it was great. I mean, one of the best things about the script that Jeff Bueller wrote, who we, we love the guy, was it was very economic. It moved, you know? It was very stripped down and, and, and had a lot of bite to it, and it didn't shy away from things. And we said, all right, they get it, you know? But I think that's something that happens uh, just naturally, no matter what studio or what film, what company, is when you just overdevelop something and you're with it for a long time, mm-hmm. you want to try different things. So you start to go, let's go down this rabbit hole for a while, you know, and let's go down this rabbit hole. And sometimes it takes fresh eyes, like we were coming onto a project who didn't have all that baggage, who could just kind of see where they were currently at and tell them, this is working great for us. This stuff maybe you don't need and this stuff is missing and we should put this stuff back into it. Right. So really it was about finding the right blend of embracing all of the awesome things that uh, Jeff and, and Paramount did with the current draft they had before we came on board. But then also reminding them of some of these iconic elements in the book, like Zelda and Pascal, that had kind of gone by the wayside a little bit and saying, uh, there is a way to bring these elements back into the current script you have mm-hmm. and enhance that script. Not shy away from what you have, but just in, in, uh, make it even better. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of our pitch was embracing what they had, but making it better through taking some of those great elements in the book and putting them back into the story. Good. Let's talk about Zelda because yep. uh, I love that you guys double down on her as a character. <laughs> and there's much more of her than even in the book. Um, right. and it emphasizes uh, Rachel's demons. You know, and so yeah. talk about that decision. To, how are you going to portray her? How much of her are you going to show and use for flashbacks? Yeah, I mean... For us, it was kind of, as we were working on the script, it was kind of like putting these characters in, like Dennis was saying, putting them back in. You can't just insert them willy-nilly. Like, they got to... They have to be there for a reason, you know? So when you would look at them in the script, you go, if you just kind of stick them in, in a script that was now very modern day and focused, it wasn't delving into too many flashbacks or anything. It was just kind of this A to B story. They got there and events happened. And you go like, well, if we just kind of stick in these flashbacks or something, they're going to feel ill-placed. So to us... We actually had to double down on Zelda because it had to feel like a why now? Why is this in the script? Why is this happening? And the reason for us that this was happening was because 
this place, right? I mean, Judd says in the book, no one knows how far its influence reaches this place and its pull. And what, and he says, I might have been responsible for the death of your son because I showed you this place. And then you, we brought the cat and then, it, you know, and it wants more. And it's just, it's a chain reaction. Sure. So it's this place that sort of plays with you and it kind of like pulls at your grief, right? And it's, and they, the Creed family has moved there. They have this proximity to the place. And it's like... Rachel has lived a full life since Zelda died. So even though she's troubled by this, it's something she has to be keeping repressed in a way. I mean, she got married. She had kids. She's having a life. She's not just a psychological wreck. So for the Zelda thing to be troubling her, it has to be something that we were saying that, like, she's kind of pushed away and she's never faced. Mm -hmm. And she's now moved to this house and this place and this kind of these woods that sort of where this place is that sort of, like, pulls at your grief now is the time that and all that they're going to go through with the cat and then the, the kid it's right. it's it's going to make her address these things so it was something that yeah like again we didn't want it to just be in there for the sake of a flashback that if we were putting it in we had to put it in full force and it had, we had to understand why it was happening now. you guys soften the edge between um, Lewis and Rachel also in the book they're they're mean to each other oh god yeah. 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 we had a version I mean like we were always talking about that in the book it's like it's like a brutal fight where she's like throwing things and you got to be careful about that because uh, we really wanted to give Rachel a lot of agency right. you know so it couldn't just be that she was the antagonist to what he was trying to do it had to be that you saw both of their sides you know and you you we really wanted to make her we wanted to be empathetic to her and we wanted him not to be so hard edged because you know you know how it is when you get into very delicate conversations you know you have sometimes you're walking on eggshells you know and you don't want to push the person too far and he had to be a person who you know thought he understood death and thought he understood the correct way to parent you know but he also had to be a person that respected what she went through as a kid and the tragedy so where we landed was that he was only going to know some of it. He wasn't going to know the full details of what happened that day. Hence, there was a part of his brain that he'd never say out loud that would say, Rachel, come on, it's been 30 years, you know, come on, it's time to move on. Sure. But he would never say that out loud. Sure. Uh, but then there was also a part of him that, uh, you know, said, no, no, I, I love my wife and, I, and I, I, I don't fully know what happened. So what we did was in that scene where they really talk about it, she finally reveals all the details of how Zelda died and what her partner was. That's sort of the thing that makes him give in and sort of understand what she went through and, and still kind of against his better judgment agree not to tell Ellie that the cat is dead and to go do this thing with Judd where they go bury the cat and they begin this chain reaction. So for us it was really about finding out that sweet spot of how much he should know versus he shouldn't know. Hence, if he had any sort of uh, you know, uh, condemnation is the wrong word, but if he had any sort of, uh, you know, issues with the way she was holding back on telling Ellie certain things, he was about to be revealed something that would have explained to him why she's so reticent to really go there and talk mm -hmm. about death. You know? um, this character that I, I viewed as very important and in it necessarily till the end is normal. Um, yes. I'm wondering if there was ever a version or, or discussion of how do we get them to the pet cemetery if um, Judd doesn't owe Lewis a favor, essentially. 
Because in the book, he helps he, her on Halloween yeah. night and the, yeah, the yeah. Um, in ours, we were trying to build it up with the connection to Ellie. Yeah, not necessarily. He's not doing it as a favor to Lewis in our version. He's doing it for Ellie because yeah. he makes this connection with her uh, at the pet cemetery, and she comes by his house, and you know, and they kind of they talk about Norma, and, you know, and uh, and uh, he That's just kind of triggered them by your switch from from Gage to Ellie, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. She yeah. only hears that from the parents, and then she repeats. It back to yeah, him. she's looking down on you right now. Right, right. And it kind of warms him a little bit. Right now. Right. Yeah, and again, like we said, it's it, using uh, switching from Gage to Ellie. We have this character that's kind of more present in the story, you know, and uh, and that was yeah, that was one of the decisions was to make her since she was going to be the one that comes back, and we were going to make a meal out of that since she's the older kid and can actually have these conversations about what it means to be back from the dead and everything. We were like, well, then we. we we're going to put her at the forefront in the beginning. Before know. we get a little bit deeper into Ellie, um, I, I'm a King fanatic, and the symbols to me on the trees uh, near the cemetery look like the Crimson King um, from Dark Tower. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. Is that intentional at all? Or are you guys and Insomnia. Insomnia, too. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. I mean, no. he leaves all this through most of his stories, King does. I think that's a Native American symbol yeah. about a rebirth. Rebirth. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. So, and a lot of it, you could read it two different ways. You could read it as this is the main where you're now in the land of the Wendigo where rebirth happens. You could also read it as a bad thing, a warning. Because keep in mind, they built the deadfall to keep people off. So once you're sort of beyond the deadfall, you're entering this no man's land where time kind of stands still on the northern lights, you know. And it's this very ethereal place where you're seeing these symbols that are ambiguous, just the way the whole topic is. Certain people could look at the topic of, wait, you mean I could bury someone and bring them back? That's an amazing thing. That's a miracle. And then other people in the know could say it's a, it's a horrible thing, you know. Right, right. So rebirth means two things in our book. It's a, it represents hope, you know, but it also represents tragedy and doom, you know? That's a set that has to work perfectly. Not right. just the Pet cemetery itself, but the, the trees and the limbs, the way they connect. Yeah. Um, tell me about putting that together. How did you guys finally realize that? And well, it's very satisfying. Yeah, well, the idea was to shoot the Pet cemetery and the woods surrounding it, or the path leading to the Pet cemetery. All of that was on a practical location okay. in real woods with a real deadfall built. That was amazing. Like you, everybody that came, all the journalists that came to set took pictures on top of it. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and when you went out beyond the deadfall, you were now crossing over into where you weren't supposed to go. So it was closed off. And this is kind of where all the supernatural elements of the book take over. You know, like so. Oh, we shot that portion on a stage where those woods, those woods were built the swamp was built the the burial ground was built okay. you know so just to give it that feel that they crossed over into another place you know it feels a little off there it doesn't feel the same you know like if we were just out shooting it in the regular woods how are you gonna where we're shooting the other thing I mean we could change the lighting and everything but we wanted to really differentiate between these places that they were like leaving their their comfort zone you know they were leaving the world the sort of the world that they know and but it was tricky because you don't want it to like it's still existing in the movie that we're in you don't want it to cross over suddenly into like a fantasy film because that's not the film that we've told people in the movie leading up to here that we're making so uh, 
it was trying to make it look as realistic as possible, but different and off enough. That and, is interesting because yeah. it could take on a nightmarish quality and almost be exaggerated yeah. you know, or surreal if you play too hard in that yeah. direction. So yeah. uh, everybody's super on board with Goose the Cat currently. Uh, yeah. They'll be on board with Church. I just posted a meme about this. Oh, did you really? Yeah, hold my beer. You know, the year of the cat in his church. Yeah. Um, it, it, it seems like a horror story to try to get a performance out of a cat, but you guys actually get a performance and turn a cat into a character. Yeah. So just talk to me about working with a cat. Man, I mean, it really is working with the right trainers. We had uh, uh, Kurt Jarrett and Miss Melissa Millette, I think her last name is, and uh, we found them, and they were based in Canada, and we gave them a challenge. We said, we the cat we want in the movie is not going to be uh, like a black and white Tom cat like the book. It's not going to be a gray British short hero like the first movie. Uh, it's going to be a cat that looks exactly like the cat on the hardcover of the book. You know, we're going to go back to that original painting, that great cover of the book. Yeah. And that cat is sort of like a like either a Maine Coon or a Norwegian Forest cat. It's a long-haired cat, you know, which is already kind of difficult because it's got a lot of colors on it. It's brown, black, white, you know. So that's a tough cat to A, find, and then to match for the cats that are going to look like that. Sure. To their credit, they pulled it off in like two weeks where suddenly they had this whole string of rescue cats that they brought on board and they very quickly figured out I mean every cat's got a different personality sure. so they figured out which cat was the best at hissing which cat was a jumper which cat could just stand still which you would think would be easy for a cat but it's not right. you ever see a cat just stand still a cat's yeah. always licking himself you know swishing his tail looking around swatting at something <laughs> and yet one of the cats Leo became our default quote evil cat because simply because he had such a good stare and he could just sit there and I think some of the scariest moments of the cat are not when he's hissing or attacking people. It's when he's just kind of staring at something horrible happening, almost like he's this, you know, conjurer of doom, you know, kind of looking over everything. Right. So uh, a lot of that, I mean, almost all of that really came down to them. So us kind of getting out of their way and telling them what we wanted very specifically and then giving them the time and the environment to do it, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and they were great. The cats would always get acclimated to the set. The actors were encouraged to spend a lot of time with the cats, so they were familiar with the cats and the cats knew their scent and the cats were comfortable with them. And it's just about creating a good environment where the cat could really prosper and be trained you know um, two major changes uh, we'll do one at a time one is that Gage can see Victor um, and identify him I'm curious about the thought process behind that well that was actually fr from the book but it was Ellie that had visions uh, remember she wakes up and she says Pax Cow Pax Cow oh right or she says uh, Pax Cow or I forgot the line and she right. says uh, he yeah. said that because uh, Daddy was with him when his soul discorporated. Right. Um, right. So, again, the reason, the, the, the funny thing is, the reason why we switched from Gage to Ellie, where we said, like, that we could have these conversations, right? But then when we needed to switch in return, right. you can't have the other conversations. When Ellie goes, Yeah, I had a dream. Pascal, he was saying that dad was going to do something bad but right. well the, the kid that we got with doing gauge can't talk that much you know so so we showed him you know so yeah so we had him say a couple words and then showed him to kind of get across the same point that the original was getting gotcha and then um, we have to talk about the ending uh, which to me and this is blasphemous to say is an improvement it's an improvement your ending is an improvement over the book and the original movie which is 
you know, very faithful to the end. Um, and I just think Zombie Creed family is exactly where this story <laughs> had to go. And so um, tell me how you got to this. Um, were there multiple endings that you guys tried? And then uh, please comment on the irony that Gage ends up being the only one who's not injured. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> in all of this. We, uh, that was not the ending that was originally scripted. Okay. So we have another ending that will be on the Blu-ray, which we're also very proud of, okay. which is a little closer to the book. But even then... It's still different. It's still different, yeah. And it wasn't that we were trying to, to, to best the book. We were just saying, you know what, let's do something different, you know? Yeah. So uh, we had that. And then the inevitability of just doom and tragedy in the movie and the fact that once you kind of open this Pandora's box, you can't close it, you know, yeah. was something that really appealed to us. So uh, plus, you know, there was uh, sort of a pleasure in seeing Lewis get his comeuppance for lack of a better word he's not a bad person Lewis but he makes a lot of bad decisions and you know this chain reaction really gets out of control and and untenable and so to have his lack of he can't kill the cat he just drops the cat off then the cat comes back and the cat leads Ellie to the road right then the you know Ellie gets killed you know Lewis is the one that moves them there you know he's the one that kind of sets us all in motion thought about that if he just put the cat down I know and there are two points in the movie where both of the ladies in his life actually tell him they don't think we should be here. I mean, Ellie tells him when he's bandaging her arm, Can we go? I want to go back to her old home. Right. He says, we can't go back. And then uh, two scenes later, Rachel's saying, maybe we shouldn't have moved here. And he's so he's the guy that's basically trying to do whatever he can to keep the family together. Right. And we don't overly explain it in the novel, but you, in the book, in the movie rather, but you do get a sense that he's kind of running away from something a little bit. You know, Rachel says earlier in the, in the movie, you needed this, we needed this, you know, mm-hmm. a chance to spend more time with the kids and stuff. And this is a guy that really kind of let his career get in the way and was sort of like, just living with this the horror of his job and kind of wanted to escape it all but like the, like the best Stephen King novels like The Shining you take the horror with you you can never really escape these things you know so in the end he kind of does keep the family together but not the way he thought he was going to do it you know which is so chilling you know he gets what he wants but not how he thought he was going to get it right. you know when I yeah. mentioned the ending to Jason uh, he sprung out of his chair actually over there and he said that is an ending by Stephen King fans. You know, it's right. a Stephen King ending made by Stephen King fans. Right. So he yeah. was, he's super proud of it. And he also told me to get my monkey on when I watched the movie. What is that monkey on? Not quite sure. But in context, it makes he's sense. He's Australian. Get your monkey on. And then what about Gage? Leaving Gage safe. Oh, yeah. I is mean, he safe? <laughs> it was just one of them things. It was like... The irony, yeah, but I don't think we said we're, we're going to set out to do this irony. It was just kind of like you were saying the natural way to go was like zombie family. And it was just kind of like – and even when we were changing the ending, it was funny. Like as Dennis was saying, it was never about besting, but it wasn't even about being different. It wasn't about like let's change the ending or try something new necessarily. It was just kind of like, well – we made other changes. Other things are different about this. Our character arcs are slightly, and you know, it's just kind of like, well, where is this story going? You know, because like we were saying, we try to stay faithful to the essence of the novel and what King wanted. But at some point, you know, you just start making a film, and you're now, and you put the other things aside. So you just kind of go, where is this going? And then like that seemed the logical place, and uh, and it just kind of came along with switching which kid it was, and then making it that he couldn't kill. And then all of a sudden, you know, it dawns on us and we go, oh, wait a minute. You know, the kid that we didn't kill that died in the other one is going to be the only one is going to be the only one left. Right. It's the ultimate here. subversion. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then it's just and it's just kind of like you look at it, and you go like, 
yeah, we know he's going back there. He's always going back, Lewis. You know, he's, he brings Rachel back. And he brings this, so it's like, so it just kind of seemed like so, you know, evil, like we were saying. If like, then why put the cat down first if they're all coming back? You know? Yeah, if he's true. going there again, let them all come back. Right. Very true, very true. <laughs> you know? All right, I'll get you guys out of here on that. I really appreciate you guys being Thank so you, open and, oh, sure. and willing to talk about the movie Thank at length. And I promise appreciate I'll protect it. all of this that you told oh, no, me. Oh, yeah. Once the film's out, do what you got to do, man. Good. Yeah. Just get, get people excited about it. So. Yeah. So that was the co-directors of Pet Cemetery. They were nice enough to sit down with us um, at South by Southwest where their film was the closing night film. Uh, they were super great. And one thing that I loved about what they said to me, we did a traditional TV junket interview and then we got them uh, later for a print spot that we used for the podcast. And I said, guys, I just want to go right into spoilers. I want to talk about your process. I want to talk about decisions that you made. And they said, this, was, this quote will stick with me. They said, oh yeah, man, once the movie's out, do whatever you want with it. And I wish more directors had that, this is what we're talking about with the Russos, right? Like yeah. once the movie's out, they want people to discuss it. You know, they want you to start having conversations about it. So, and they and they really, I think press opportunities for filmmakers is very frustrating because they would love to talk about the process. Yeah. All day long. They would love to talk about the decisions that they made. They would love to get into why they did certain things and why they didn't do certain things. And so when they get an opportunity to talk like that, like when you got a chance to talk to uh, David F. Sandberg about Shazam, yeah. you know, or we get... Um, some of the producers that we get on the show and some of the screenwriters who get to talk about things they need to pull out and put back in. I think that's what they groove on. It's they spend months and years on these projects. And so I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with the guys from Pet Cemetery. They were a lot of fun to talk to. So uh, this week's blend game, we had teased it on social media. We are playing hashtag Nick Cage blend, uh, picking our favorite films with Nick Cage. I'm going to put it to Kevin first. Uh, and challenge him to not pick face off. But I mean, it, okay. Well, if I can, if I, <laughs> no, he's gonna pick. Well, if I can't pick face off, no, no, you can pick it up. Well, face off's the obvious one. So then, so face off is my favorite. But I'll I'll go my second favorite because it's too obvious. That's face off. I love face off. Yes, face off is my favorite role of his because he plays two characters. Yes, uh, and he's brilliant. Is it, it's an Oscar worthy performance. Yes. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, but it would never happen because it's an action movie directed by John Woo. Uh, after Face Off, it's The Rock. Okay. Uh, because... Pick just, one, dude. Well, I mean, can I pick Face Off? Yeah. Well, then it's Face Off. You, you can, can pick, pick Face Off. All right. That's fine. Pick Face, face Off. Off. Tell us why you love Face Off. Well, <laughs> two uh, two characters. Uh, you need a peach for hours. That great line, great <laughs> scene. Uh, love... You don't like that movie? Uh, I love the... Um, I love everything about that movie. I love the over-the-top element of his character and then the understated version he plays as John Travolta's character. I thought that the way he delivered his dialogue, he has the craziest eyes I've ever seen in that like one scene in the beginning when he's like singing in the choir. Or no, he goes into the girl singing in the choir after he puts the bomb in the building. Uh, the Just the way he held himself as Caster Troy. Caster Troy. Just the, the gold guns, like the, you know, the way he carried himself, the way his relationship with his brother Pollux Troy I've seen the movie so many times I know the character's names like 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 so well I love Travolta Faisal. is also great that Travolta is Travolta's having more fun yes well no because remember they, they both equally have as much yeah. fun Travolta no but I think Travolta plays that character more longer he has more yeah has more screen time as that character Travolta is great yes. as Caster Troy he loves it yeah. uh, it, it just that's my favorite Cage movie the last hands down the last great Travolta movie <sighs> boy that's really tough Gotti 
Jesus. <laughs> last great, actually, the last great total performance was probably the uh, O.J. Simpson show. He was good in that. Yeah, place. but he disappeared like after like three episodes. Yeah. And honestly, you know what I did really like him, and, and may, I might get kicked off the uh, <laughs> the podcast for saying this. I thought he was great in Hairspray. I love Hairspray. Yeah, he was, I yeah, he was he's really fantastic. Great. I love Hairspray. I actually had a great movie. movie. Him and Christopher Walken really good. were fantastic. What's the yes. last good Nick Cage movie? Kick Ass. Probably. Yeah, I was looking back over this. He was so great in Kick was, Ass. You know what I love to watch? Bad Lieutenant was good. Not my, um, it's not my favorite of his, but Lord of War. Lord of War is amazing. One of the best posters of all time. Well, and I, I would, I would actually choose this, but it, I don't think it counts. That doesn't count. He's in this. He is. Yeah. He, he's, I'm holding up a copy of Spider-Man to the Spider-Man to War, right? Yes. Yeah. And I don't think that counts. No. That's not a Nick Cage movie. All right, Jay, who's next, Jake? Jake, you're up. Uh, I'm choosing The Rock. Okay. And the reason I choose The Rock, it's funny, it's, it's funny, yeah, exactly. There, you know, you mentioned um, him playing two different characters uh, in Face Off, and he literally plays two different characters in Face Off, which is a testament. I mean, he's a great, he's arguably he, one of the greatest actors, I think, of a generation, and, and he's had a weird career, but I think it's fascinating. But the reason I love The Rock, specifically for him, The Rock, The Rock, welcome to The Rock, um, is that Nick Cage does two things really well. Playing just gonzo, over the top, holy crap, this guy's nuts off his rocker, didn't take his medication kind of performance. Right. And then also quiet, mousy, sheepish, sort of the second tier, like, you know, to, to a more uh, powerful presence on screen. And in The Rock, he gets to do both. He starts as one, sort of the mousy guy, and transforms into the other. And I don't really feel like there's another movie where he does that, or at least does it better, because usually each movie he, he does one or the other. And seeing him um, foil with Sean Connery is absolutely fantastic. See Sean Connery bring it out of him. That gonzo out of the mouse is fantastic. The movie itself is is arguably, not arguably, it is one of the best action films of the 90s. Um, Agreed. So, I mean, that the shot. It's Bay's best movie. It's Bay's best it movie. Is, it, it's is best best movie. Movie. it is. It is his best yeah. movie. It's my favorite movie yeah. is Bad Boys I mean, one of my favorite movie shots ever is Nick Cage holding up the two flares while the, the green yes. flares. Yeah, yeah. They're um, about to bomb the island. That's I mean, a great just that, scene. that movie. And the score. Is, uh, yeah, it's an amazing score. Everyone else in that movie is also fa- Ed Harris is fantastic. Ed Harris's character is great. It's so layered. Yeah, yeah. Such a layered character. Because um, they're right. Like, yes, they're, they're, they're not, not wrong. wrong. Right. Yeah, it's like exactly. Triple Frontier. Yeah. Yes, like where they basically don't feel like they will. Again, you can't take a murderous yeah. aspect to it, but like right. the idea that you feel wronged yeah. by I your service. I feel like Harris has played that character before. Like like someone who's standing up for the the rights of people who are misrepresented. I can't think of another example of what it is, but I feel like he's played that before. Right. Unless it's just his performance in The Rock is so, so yeah. legendary. Yeah. You hear about Nick Cage's favorite TV oh, show character God. of all time? <laughs> you guys ever hear about this? Uh, Watch your boys. <laughs> you guys hear about this? You guys ever heard of this? <laughs> no, what is it? Nick Cage's favorite TV show character of no, all time. I don't know it. The Spock. You guys ever seen Star Trek? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. <laughs> Gabe is here. Oh, God. We could hear him laugh if he wanted to. <laughs> and he, he did. Fuck. He didn't laugh. All right. All right. I want to choose both Face Off and The Rock because they are they are two of my favorite movies of all time. And I stand by that that's Bay's best movie. And I love Face Off more than anything. Do you know Nick Cage's favorite hip-hop artist of all time? All time. Hold on. No? Hold on. Do you remember this? No, I don't know. Mace off? Remember Mace? But what do you want problems? Jesus. 
Come on, Mason's awesome. I'm gonna, but I'll, I will not pick those two, and I'm gonna say Matchstick Men. Um, I love Matchstick Men. It's a good one. I love, love, movie. love top five Ridley Scott. Sam Rockwell's so good at that. Sam Rockwell. I love that. Yeah. Alison Lohman. Yes. Yes. And and it, it lets Cage do the things that Cage likes to do, um, where he has all these little phobias. And he has to act really weird and quirky, but he's in an amazing screenplay. Um, I would have gone The Weatherman also, which is Korverbinski's best movie. Um, and a really good performance by Cage. best movie? Uh, yeah. He's also argue. an underrated director. I would argue that that's probably his Pirate best movie. Pirate 7. I don't really like his Pirates movie. I you think don't like his Pirates movies? The Ring was really good. <sighs> Rango. Um, I don't yeah, think... Rango. So here's the thing with Cage. And this is why I picked Matchstick Man. I love... What a great... I love Matchstick Man. Matchstick Man is a tremendous movie. If you ask Nicolas Cage how he would prefer to be known, and if everybody says The Rock or Face Off, do you think that he would be annoyed by that? Do you think he like? I mean, no. Kevin, tell your story. Oh yeah, when I interviewed Nick Cage for The Crudes. Um, <laughs> yeah, your second favorite. Yeah, second favorite. I brought- Shut up, Gabe. <laughs> Wrap it up, Gabe, for God's sake. I had my original tickets for The Rock and Con Air yeah. with me, and I brought them to him and showed them to him, and he looked at him, and he held them up to the camera, and he goes, that was the golden age of my career. No kidding, yeah, really? he literally said that. It was the golden age of my career. He held them up to the camera. Have you guys heard about Nick Cage's favorite uh, rock band of all time? Well, I said it's Cage Against the Machine. Yeah, oh, yes, we already done this. That's right. God, I forgot about that. I was going to do Nicholas Rage Against the Machine. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's good. It's good. All yeah. right. Audience participation. Mm. Uh, Katie says, I'll always love Gone in 60 Seconds. That's a good one. Jordan Snyder says, um, so glad I looked back over his IMDb. My pick for Nick Cage blend is Adaptation. Also a really good one. Uh, Con Air says Jesse Frank- I do love Con Air. I love Con Air. Uh, he was good in as, as uh, Malkovich. Malkovich. Cyrus the I Pirate. I like Define irony. He's scary in that movie. Jim Meta's pick is uh, National Treasure. So much fun, and we watch it every year heading to D.C. with my 8th graders. Special mention, his favorite is Kiss of Death. Uh, Chris Hutton did this gif. So that's a Con Air gif, isn't it? Yeah, that's Con Air. That's Con Air. I've seen that gif done with a Con Air um, (laughs) uh, blow dryer. Like, Con Air blow dryer and put it on the screen and blowing his hair in that famous like that's shot. Really it's amazing. That's very funny. What's funny to me is growing up, Con Air was the name of a movie. And then I went to a buddy's house whose parents had a Con Air blow dryer. And I'm like, wait, they made Con Air blow dryers? Like, they, 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 wait, Con Air released Con Air blow dryer? I didn't know Con Air was a, was that's a, really funny. Thing. like today I was at Medieval Times in, in, uh, in Maryland, in near Baltimore, and why up, were you there? I was there for a Game of Thrones themed like night type sword it play made down, me laugh downtown. So that, hard. So, that so he's putting up photos. Jake is putting up pictures from the actual Iron Throne. And <laughs> 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 the best part is that Kevin is decked out in <laughs> yes. full blown medieval times like garb. I was in the middle. I was doing live shots from the middle of the floor at seven o'clock this morning. Star Wars celebration. And I clicked, he didn't even send those to us at first. I clicked on his Instagram story. And not, you know, I clicked on his, and I knew you were flying here for some, so for some reason I didn't realize that you had to do the show, so I pictured you at the airport or pictured you like on your way. I had to go to Chicago. And the first image of him was a full, like, like, not great Game of Thrones gear, but like that really bad medieval times, like, garb that he's in the blue. And naturally the first thing Kevin goes, 
I'm on the set of Cable Guy 2. That's going back to what I was saying just now, is that Cable Guy was the reason I knew Medieval Times. Sure. I didn't know Medieval Times was a real thing. Oh, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Cable Guy. So like everything in my life is movies. I didn't know Con Air was a company that made blow dryers. I thought it was a movie with John Malkovich and Nick Cage. Oh, my God. My face hurts from laughing. It <laughs> <laughs> actually hurts from laughing. All right, next week's Blend Game. So we're going to do a run-up to the Avengers. And we will start with uh, – we'll do a few of them before we get to uh, Endgame here. And we're going to start with – Hashtag RDJ blends. How are we, we going to do this? Have you guys heard about this? This is a big one Robert to differentiate the two. Are yes. we picking our favorite film that he's in or his favorite performance? Because this guy, this in particular, is different. Well, while we're thinking about that, did you guys hear about Nick Cage's favorite? Oh my uh, god! Favorite Metallica cover song. I've got to work tomorrow. Hold on. You guys haven't heard about this? Hold on. Nick Cage's favorite Metallica <laughs> cover song. Favorite you haven't heard about this? Oh, this is a, it's a great fact. Turn, turn the cage. Yeah, turn the cage. Turn the yeah, cage. Turn, the, turn the cage. It's a great fact to yeah, know. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's performance. I think it's favorite performance by him. Okay. Not favorite movie that he's in. Okay. But again, if you could justify whatever your pick is going to be. No, because I feel like he is one of those actors where it would be different. Right. The movie and the performance. Interesting. All right. Anyway, you can play along on social media. Use hashtag RDJ Blend. Go to Real Blend and leave us comments underneath. You can also send reviews for the show uh, and your picks for RDJ Blend at uh, realblend at cinemablend.com. You guys are going to want to be paying attention to the Twitter feed this weekend because we will be posting photographs um, from the Real Blend meetup, which we are doing in Chicago. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you've signed up to come, we cannot wait to meet you there. Uh, if you still want to RSVP, you can go to bit.ly forward slash Chicago. Sean, did you hear about uh, Nicolas Cage's... Um, Nicolette Cage? Nicolas Cage's... <laughs> I'm so tired. Uh, his favorite Blake, Blake Lively movie? Wait, hold on. That is... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Age of Adeline? <laughs> Cage of Adeline! Yeah! <laughs> Gabe, you're here! Wrap it up, man! <laughs> Pull the plug. I forgot she was even in that. <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, next week where we will be able to talk more about um, the Real Blend meetup and uh, Star Wars Celebration. And uh, we will not have seen Endgame by then. But anyway. We'll this, have seen the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. This was the episode we recorded at Jake's house. Uh, very special episode, uh, but we have to end it as we end all episodes by screaming out loud all together. Three, two, one. Amazing. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.